Present day. Present time. <laughs> And you don't seem to understand A shame you seemed an honest man And all the fears you hold so dear Will turn to whisper in your ear And you know what they say I hurt you And you know that it means so much And you don't even Hello and welcome to Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast on the Export Audio Network. I am your co-host Neve, and I'm joined by your other co-host Connor. So we're not going to redo that one, huh? Okay, yeah, that's fine. What? Hey, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of what? I like kind of tripped over something, but it's fine. No, it's I too just late love now. The, I just love undermining Neve's confidence immediately. <laughs> 
Hello and welcome to Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast on the Export Audio Network. I am your co-host, Neve, and I'm joined by your other co-host, Connor. Hey, everyone. Yeah, we got to be really hey. careful with these introductions now. Yeah. If we don't want to have um, to like, redo them multiple times. Yeah, yeah. And we're also joined by special guest star, Autumn. I keep having this problem where, like, I'm in the bedroom and the light is bright and then... All of a sudden, the light will get dimmer, as if somebody else turned on a gas lamp somewhere else inside the house. Wait, is but that everybody is this like around the story? Is this the start of like a short story that you're reading or something? Everybody around me keeps telling me that the light didn't get dimmer. That there's no one else in the house, but I, the gaslight got dimmer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that I'm uh, gaslighting you? I, I am describing the premise of the movie the, Gaslight, the film Gaslight, yeah. starring Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. No, why? No reason. Don't worry about it. I assumed you were keeping the the previous um, thing in too, and I was trying to do a joke about Connor gaslighting you about making you think he fucked up that intro when you didn't. <laughs> Not we the second clapped. one. But the first, the first one, but not the second one. The second we do need to clap. We're gonna just do this clap in the episode. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, let me pull up time. That is. We're gonna, uh, we're, we're normally, gonna have to make sure. Normally, you all you gotta listen till the end of the pod. Special bonus clap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a uh, real clean start here. Um, so we got to make sure we don't take too Why long. Why did I to... check the time on my phone <laughs> the time... <laughs> <laughs> at a website that's entire purpose is to tell us the time? All right, we're we're gonna yeah we're gonna clap at ten seconds. Autumn, you look at your phone and we'll be good. Just get the time from your phone. Okay, you're doing the clap. Okay, ten seconds. This is great audio. They got to feel. They got to feel it. All of the seconds elapsing. How'd you feel about that clap? Good on our end. Okay. Can't hear Connor because of whatever I've never, clap. I've never had someone else around to perceive the clap. Don't insult yeah. my clap. That sounded... That sounded... <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> that did not sound how I meant it to sound. I thought um, we talked about this. I did not edit this part. Uh, anyway. <laughs> we are covering episode 7 through 16 of Bacchano. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, on this very tightly run ship, uh, we are covering episodes 7 through 13 of Serial Experiments Lane. Okay, if if you're the captain, and Connor is the first officer of Ghost Divers, what does that make me? Um, ooh. Am, am, I, am I the second officer? Am I... We're doing like a Star Trek thing here. I, I assume really so. think the vibe that you're going for. Yeah. Um, Am I the editor at large? Wait, is that a position <laughs> in Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> it is not. Um, the okay. EIC. Yeah, am I the Admiral? <laughs> <laughs> Who occasionally will just come on a mission with you? <laughs> I feel like. Given just how this podcast is run, um, it's more like I'm Han Solo, Connor is my Chewbacca, 
and you are like whatever person is stowing aboard right now. Yeah, and I'm like Skywalker like being yeah. like, and we're why don't you go faster? And yeah, we're still line. we're <laughs> still in line, Star Luke. Trek, <laughs> and we're still in Star Trek. <laughs> you know the line. We can't turn back now. Fear is their greatest defense. <laughs> what? They probably don't have much there, and what is there is geared toward a, a large-scale assault. <clears throat> it's not on like on Aquila or Solace. I kind of fucked up the line there. Yeah. It's fine. I got most of it. Um, you still know it better than I do. <laughs> I don't know it as good as Mark Hamill does, unfortunately. Um... Should I don't we even just start know. talking about episodes. Do we yeah. want to do preliminary chat? There's, there's we do so episodes? much. There's so much I disagree with already. I okay. I just want to get a temperature check, and we do not have to go in depth on this. <laughs> One sentence, Nia. How do you feel about serial experiments, Lane? Um, my like perspective on it has changed where i when i watched it when i was younger i saw it as this like extreme revelatory thing and now i watch it and i have a different appreciation for it as someone who's just a v cinema sicko that's one sentence that's one sentence it's a long sentence but you got you got there yeah connor one sentence how are you feeling about serial experiments lane now that you finished uh i ended up enjoying it uh and having a lot of thoughts about it actually uh but i i don't know if it really moved me um the way some of the other stuff that we've covered did i am in the same boat as connor that's my sentence yeah (laughs) um i i will say that like on our last discussion, I felt like we had, like we had stuff to like, we had ideas to like grapple with, um, mm. but I was very like, I think m- most of the time I have ideas about like, kind of what's happening or what direction it's going, um, like what the narrative is doing or what it's doing thematically. Um, and Lane was interesting because like last episode, I was a little bit like, so much of it was unclear, um, and still just in that like ambivalent space, um, Mm -hmm. that it was, it was a little bit like difficult, uh, of an episode for me, um, me as well. Yeah, and but now that like I finished it earlier today, um, and I took some time to think about it, and then I really started like feeling a lot better um, about like some of the things started to make sense to me, Um, and I felt like I I started to get like a grip on the series uh, in terms of like okay, I have it, I have a reading of it that makes sense Mm. to me. Um, and I can yeah. like tie in uh, a lot of these like threads that I like identified, but didn't know what to make of like last time. I think, and sorry, I know you want to get to episode summaries. Well, yeah, I, the one thing I'm going to quick say is, um, cause I had vague memories of Lane, 
I remembered like big things that happened and then a lot of vibes. And then there's a lot that I don't, I didn't like fully remember the exact structure of it. And so I thought that, uh, I think it's like what episode? Well, so I forgot that there was like a, a legit clip show episode. Kinda. <laughs> like the first half of that is, it's doing a lot more than some clip shows do, but it there is still one. But then there's also this one that has the archival stuff of like, the Roswell incident and everything, which yeah. which is epi- uh, episode nine. And I thought that, like, layer seven, like episode seven, was the one that was like, oh, here's the conspiracy theory stuff. Here's Lane going and, like, meeting with the men in black and the, like, employer of the men in black, all of that. I thought that that was more where things get explained. And it actually, you get some of it in episode nine. And then, like, I feel like uh, episode 11 is the one where they, like, bring everything together and like kind of show you the connections through the Mm -hmm. clip stuff. And I just thought that happened in seven because it was the midway point. Um, And so part of me was like, I don't want us to just do the big episode. That's going to be like, Oh, here's this conspiracy theory stuff. Here's all like everything that's happening there. Right. Um, And at this point, I kind of wish that we would have watched episode seven last time. Mm -hmm. um, Just to give a little bit more to grapple onto. Cause it, it, it drip feeds it, I thought that, like, you get the end of episode six that's giving you some exposition, and then episode seven just, like, fully exposits, and that's not really what happens. Um, For me, the thing, the thing that has been challenging is that last week, or last time, I felt like, ah, I can't really wrap my head around this at all. You know, I can't, like, mm-hmm. get my, like... I, I felt like I couldn't get my feet under me, and I was like, well, there's, you know, seven more episodes. This could be a totally different show by the end of it. Like, it could take so many different turns. And the, the place that I arrived at tonight is that, like, I kind of feel the same way now as I did at the start, which is, like, I like this. I think it is interesting. It ha- It never really connected with me. It never really, like... I just never personally got super invested in it. And I get I guess I kept thinking maybe as I get deeper in that investment will happen and that never quite that just never quite happened for me in a really interesting mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I think it's going to lead to like good interesting conversation so I'm not worried about it. It was just it was it's been a challenging thing to like think through the last couple of days as I've been finishing lane, you yeah. know. And also I don't know if you feel this um Connor but like I think you're feeling some of the, uh, like we, we've talked about this on some stairwell stuff. Like I think the Chunking Express episode, we talked about this a little bit, um, where like something is held up as a masterpiece and then you see it. And then like everything that's been said about it, that's like the weight that you, you've been carrying. And now you just see the thing that it is and it, and it's, you know, in the case of Chunking Express, it's like, okay, um, in the mood for love is something that's held up as a masterpiece and you watch it and you're like, wow, this is like so polished. This is so, mm-hmm. um, there's like so much going on here. It's like easier to like, with all of that polish. And it's so like emotionally yeah. powerful like, um, and yeah, like, and emotionally it, it, powerful to like, experientially like, 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 yes. Yeah. Like vivid. Whereas Chunking Express is a great movie, but it is a masterpiece if you watched it in the nineties and like. Pulp Fiction was happening the same fucking year. Yeah, you totally. Know? 
Um, and you were like, like the idea of what cinema was, was changing for you personally. And now you watch it and you're like, well, that was a good movie, but like, it's not as best. I think, I think part of what's happening for me with Lane is I come from not watching a ton of anime, but watching more like cinema that is rooted in the same things that Lane is rooted in. And so... I totally understand how this is a great, like, anime, but when I, like, hold it up in my head next to, like, Ring or Cure or any other number of things that are sort of contemporary to this in the world of live-action cinema, I'm like, oh yeah, this is just one of those, and I'm kind of lower on it than some of the other ones that I like more. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, there, there's a certain, like, I, I think I did five stars on Letterboxd for Lane. I love Lane a lot. It's not as good as Utena to me. And, oh, and yeah. it, part of that comes from, like, both of those are in dialogue with experimental Japanese cinema. Mm. Uh, Utena is specifically pulling from Teriyama Shuji films. Um, mm-hmm. Lane is, like, directly responding to and in dialogue with not just Evangelion, which is, like, for anime people, one of the big things that you would probably have as a touchstone before this. But it's also just in dialogue with what's happening in... Like, you know, Cure and stuff came a little bit later, but like in that kind of space where there's lots of Japanese cinema being produced around like the this Japanese cyberpunk idea that has its roots going back to like Tetsuo. I mean, Tetsuo is also building on things, but Tetsuo the Iron Man is uh, like really where this idea of cyberpunk as it exists in Japan Mm. as like the thing about the melding of like the human body with technology with like the metal with the machine in a way that is like separate from you know neuromancer or whatever i i have something that i want to say about this but it's going to be specifically about like episode 12 so should we just do episode summaries or yeah we can probably start getting into because yeah the other thing that i just want to say but we'll talk about it more when we get to it which is that like me watching it now because uh, I connected with this a lot when I was a, a teen, and I watch it now, and I think I have a less immediate connection, but I also realized that I think what I was connecting with as a teen is that so much of this, of what's happening in Lane is specifically, like, eschewing emotion, and, like, pushing that away, and intentionally being about, like, this is about isolation and cutting yourself off from people, and so you're not going to have characters that you connect and relate to except for alice because that's what lane is going through right and that's what i was going through as a kid right and it's doing it far more than something like like evangelion is also touching on these similar things of like this is happening to characters but there's just so many other characters in it that you like and enjoy well like it you don't go through the exact same experiential thing that shinji's doing when you watch evangelion as you do here and i think that evangelion Shinji is like, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. Whereas Lane is a show about, like, is a show about depression, but is, like, outwardly telling you, oh, this is a show about what is it to be God? What is it to feel connection to other people? What is the internet? And, like, you have to kind of... I was just like, my girl, you just need therapy. (laughs) Yeah, you have to, like, peel back, like, (laughs) one layer to be like, oh, this is just about having depression. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyway... Anyway, well, let's get into the uh, the uh, synopses here. Um, I will I, I will warn you you all before like we get into the synopses. At some point, so okay, this is 
like part partially responding to the conversation we were just having, but yeah. Um, I think for me, like as far as the hype and all of that, that's not as much of an experience, like part of the experience for me. Uh, firstly, because I'm not like tapped in to like, Oh, lane is a masterpiece in maybe the same ways that like mm. y- you all have experienced. Um, yeah, you are you are blissfully aware of unaware of the internet and fandom spaces. Yes, which is, exactly. Uh, honestly, fantastic. Um, Never change, Connor. <laughs> but also, I I really try to like discard that. Like, of course, it whenever you're when you're in the process of making a decision to like engage with something, you're going off of some amount of information and you're reacting to that like in one way or another that it's leading you to like engage with it for ghost divers. It's different because you chose this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, that's why, but like, I'm not going to claim that I'm not like moved by when something is like posited as being great to go engage with it. Um, but when I do like, especially in this context where we're really trying to like, look, we're really trying to like get into it. Um, I try to cut through that or like discard it and just be like, okay, like a lot of, cause so much of like, and I think this is part of the point you're making, like so much of that fandom and the like reception, like the hype can distort like what the series actually is and does. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think like, that's kind of my first step is just like, okay, I'm going to forget about this and just try to like connect with this thing on its own terms and see like what it's actually trying to do. I think Um, that's a better way to go about it. And I tried to get there very often this week and just couldn't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And for for me, like I went through that and I think going into this like episode, I'm really excited about it because when I started to like, feel like I got a grip on it earlier today, like I'm excited about, like my reading of it. Um, and so mm-hmm. all of this to like, as a, as a pretext to warning you that at some point in this episode, I'm going to need to just like brain dump, like my reading of lane. Um, Hell yeah. and then I think it will be a good, like point for us. Like, cause I want to see like what y'all's thoughts are on it um mm. but at some point i am just going to be like okay i need to brain dump my reading of this of this show um yeah, because yeah. i am like excited about it and i want to like raise it and discuss it yeah yeah um so i will start synopses finally okay uh layer seven society um lane dis- uh discusses the self while in the wire i tried to like edit wikipedia a little bit but i also did it while watching a toddler today so uh, i did my best um, meanwhile, a man in a jerry-rigged AR setup wanders the city streets, hoping to break down the barriers between the real world and the wired and be accepted into the ranks of the knights. At school, Alice expresses concern that Lane seems to be withdrawing again, uh, saying she invited Lane out because she wants her to be happy. On the wired news, it is uh, reported that the knights cracked the firewall of the information control center of the wired. Um, as the activity of the knights begins to surface, uh, the network is in search for Lane. Um, 
just like people on the wired. Uh, the men in black ask Lane to follow them to the office at the Tachibana General Laboratories, um, which you found out about, I think, in episode six, mm-hmm. um, where a seemingly normal office worker asks Lane to help fix his computer and then shows Lane a projection of herself in the wired, taking out one of the members of the Knights. After the office worker, the Wikipedia had it always in caps and I tried to edit it more often, but I just left this one in. Um so after the office worker deduces that Lane uh, in the real world and in the wired are one and the same, he questions her about her origins. However, she breaks down for not knowing um, and they like altering her timid personality that mo- of a more serious one. She just like kind of becomes the like the lane more of the aggressive yeah. lane of the wired in that moment um, and shoves her way out of the room. Uh, layer eight rumors, rumors. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's some really funny, like, robot voice ones. This guy is still the funniest to me for Psyche. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. I, I have, I have two real standout ones, but we'll get there. <laughs> Lane talks to Taro and others on the Wired about Tachibana. Um, at home, Lane also mentions to her parents that someone said they aren't her real parents and gets a blank response. A rumor is spread in the Wired about Alice having sexual fantasies about a male teacher, and further rumors say that Lane spread the rumor about Alice and has been go and has been a peeping Tom in the lives of many others. Alice at first confronts Lane, but chooses to trust Lane. Chooses to trust that Lane would never do something like that to hurt her. However, when Alice is alone in her own room that night and fantasizing about her teacher, she sees Lane sitting on her bed, who smiles and laughs laughs at Alice. Um, some of the Wikipedia stuff was just a jumble of pronouns that I had to like yeah. try and fix. Um, Lane encounters and confronts herself, wondering if the Lane in the Wired who sees and shares everyone's information is just part of herself that she hates. Lane ultimately concludes to delete uh, everyone's memories of having seen her at school the next day. She finds that everyone has forgotten, but also of. Uh, but also sees a far more cheerful and sociable doppelganger of herself who gets to be with her, who gets to be friends with Alice and is the only Lane who people in the real world seem to see. Uh, layer nine protocol. Much of this episode involves archival images, quote unquote, and reporting on conspiracy theories, such as the Roswell UFO incident, the majestic 12 formed by president Harry S. Truman uh, engineer Vannevar Bush, who developed uh, what is called Memex, physician John C. Lilly, who conducted experiments with dolphin communication, uh, in parentheses ECCO. Uh, Echo pi- the dolphin! <laughs> Echo the dolphin shows up! Um, pioneer Ted Nelson, who founded Project Xanadu, and the Schumann Resonances of the Earth, through which it is believed all human consciousness can be connected through a network without the use of a device. In a sequence that notably uses full animation rather than a mingling of actual photographs and recorded video, uh, we also learn of a man named Eri uh, Masami, who worked on the seventh generation protocol for the Wired. Yeah, it's just a real uh, lore dumping. Um, Mm -hmm. He worked on the seventh generation protocol for the Wired and suddenly committed suicide on train tracks. Um, I think it's ambiguous if he commits suicide or not, but we'll go with it. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was implied that he was murdered. Honestly, <laughs> like I, yeah, it, either way. Yeah, it's, but it's but also ambiguous. he like, you know, gave up the body too. Yes. Yeah. So, um, 
Interspersed throughout these segments, we see Lane get a computer microchip from JJ, the disc jockey from Siberia. She then asks Taro on a quote-unquote date and takes him to her home, where she confronts him about the microchip. After becoming frightened, he admits it is a computer code made to disrupt human memory, and it was made by the knights. Uh, and there's like suspicion that he's, it's kind of revealed that he's, uh, has interaction with the knights, um, somewhat, although he's not like actually, uh, a knight. Um, and he, yeah, and in the course of this, he defends them, but he admits to not knowing much about what they actually do. Um, he then kisses Lane before leaving, saying it's what a guy has to do. Um, in the final moments of the episode, Lane encounters a bandaged man with red lines on his face. Um, so, layer 10, love. Um, I'm waiting for you to do the, the ones that... I know one of them is probably the next one. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so the man with the red lines on his face is revealed to be Kamisama, the god born of the dead man, uh, Eri Masami. Um, so throughout most of this, I followed the Wikipedia of just referring to Kamisama as Eri. Um, so Eri and Lane converse, seeming to inhabit each other's bodies in the process. Um, I think the Wikipedia article just said that they swap bodies, but I think there's meant to be some ambiguity there, especially uh-huh. what happens later. Yeah, they're like um, speaking as each other. Yes. Um, but like having Lane say that I'm like the god of the wired has importance for what happens the later too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um Aerie is seemingly in the body of Lane, or maybe it's just Lane speaking. I I kind of both, but Anyway, uh, claims to have been the creator for the Protocol 7, saying that Lane no longer uh, needs to have a body in order to be alive, and also discusses how gods are only gods because they have someone to worship them. Um, Eri is worshipped by the knights as their Kami-sama, and that's, like, why he's a god. Um, specifically, knights are figured as, like, the, the worshippers who make him a god. Um, when Lane returns home, her father, in quotation marks, uh, Yasuo says farewell after realizing she knows the truth about them. Uh, he says he was not permitted to say farewell, but decided to anyway because he loved. Uh, he does love her. Like, did any one? Um, they completely left out the two moments that like love really comes up here, which I just thought was weird given that it's the title of the episode. <laughs> so I had, yeah. add it, I had to add those to the Wikipedia summary. That's the best um, moment in the show, maybe. Yeah. Genuinely, like one of the most touching moments in the show is the dad. Is the man being like, "I'm not your dad, but I do actually like care for you in a fatherly way." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, um, okay, weird. <laughs> I think Aerie also, like, we're getting to the other one, but I think Aerie also, um, yeah, says that he he loves Lane um, in this episode. Yeah. At some point, he does. I think it's here. Yeah. Um. Lane returns to her room and seemingly leaks the identities of the knights onto the wired, leaving a trail of murder framed as suicide uh, by the men in black in its wake. The The Wikipedia article said uh, that they committed that it was like murder as well as suicides. And I think it was just being implied that like it was just murders. No, notably, notably, yeah. one of these murders is the, the men in black injecting an entire bottle of squirt into a guy's jugular vein. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
Then, even with the knights gone, uh, Aerys still claims that he has got out of the Wired, since he says that the real lane exists in the Wired, not the real world, and believes in him. Um, then, uh, one of the men in black sees Lane in her room and tells her that he loves her. Um, I do think there's one more, like, important detail to add. And, and again, I, yeah. I think it comes out in this episode. Um, but, like, it is also revealed that, um, Masami, Ari Masami, in the course of like creating Protocol 7, um, inserted like code into the protocol. Um, and the code is like his memories or whatever. Um, so his yeah. like memories and identity is embedded into like the very structure of the network. Um, and therefore, like the medium, like everyone who is in the wired uh and all of the like connections in the wired and all the information that's exchanged is like somehow embedded with his consciousness um so he's like more or less like forcibly um like promulgating himself into like the minds of everyone who is um using it layer 11 now, you and I, we might read this as sort of a, like, play on pornography and say, in-for-nography. In yeah. The robot man says, in-for-nography. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's so fucking funny. <laughs> no graphy allowed, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um... The first episode, the first half of this episode is fucking sick and consists of clips of the series so far, with the, but with additions and juxtapositions to further reveal hidden connections, just as a link between Chisa such and... Such as a link. This is me rapidly trying to do this. Such as a link between Chisa and Lane, as well as suggesting that the man in black who said he loves uh, Lane is also JJ the DJ. Oh, the I missed that. The final part of the clips, I also missed this. This is one that I did not realized and i saw it this time and i was like oh i think that's what's being implied mm. okay um over my head because you get the shot of him being like from it of like lane saying like i love you or whatever and then it immediately cuts to jj the dj focusing on him wearing the sunglasses and like lifting up his hat a little bit mm. huh uh, they like do have the same facial hair yeah. anyway and the sunglasses would cover up his weird eyes yeah so the final part uh, of the clips focuses on the relationship between Lane and Alice and concludes with an assertion of Lane's love for Alice. Back in the present state of things, Eri uh, appears in Lane's room and congratulates her for having succeeded in downloading her Navi into her own brain to see and hear all that is happening. However, he warns her about her, quote, hardware capacity and that she is merely a sentient and autonomous software computer program with a physical body in the form of a human girl. Lane later appears to Alice in her room in the form of an alien to make things right with her again concerning the false rumors. Lane declares that anything is possible now, as devices are no longer needed anymore to enter the wired freely. The next day, nobody seems to remember the rumored incidents, and Lane smiles at Alice. Um, I really enjoyed this episode as an audiovisual experience. Uh, a lot of the plot that is described in this summary went straight over my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so but I mean also the the big thing here coming off of the last episode titled Love is this like 
folding in of like a lot of what's happening into the central like no lane loves alice and this has like become the yes her key focus yes um also i they did not include in the form of an alien but that just shot is so wild that i was like how are you not mentioning that she's a fucking alien (laughs) that when that happened i had to pause and rewind like four times to be like why is there an alien in the show now yeah there's a part earlier reaction i didn't notice alice is like yeah you can tell alice is also like what the fuck why are you an alien (laughs) (laughs) what happened but there's also a shot um i think like right in the episode with all the roswell stuff where yeah um where like lane is just working and then looks and like an alien opens the door and looks in yeah yeah with the Um, same like posture and that was leaning in the door that was like the connection I just could not make until like the fourth time looking at it. I'm like, oh, she looks like that alien that we saw. Okay. Yeah. And then there was also people talking about seeing a like strange looking like child or something looking at them wearing the sweater that the aliens wearing. Uh huh. So, um, yeah, there's like lots of random little details, but also like I don't know. It's not like oh, if you find all of them, now it all makes sense. It's just like, no, it's like mm-hmm. uh, mixing up these images and things. Yeah. Um, I think there's like an aspect of like, oh, like, you know, this is a moment where like Lane is alienated from like Alice and not just to go straight for the pun, um, but I do think it has to do with like, um, with this concept <laughs> of like, uh, alienation and like being um like so disconnected that you're just like not even human anymore um and lane like not being human um or yeah. you know, well debatably. and i think it also it ties into like oh people saw lane looking at them she yes. erased those memories but now people are like oh i saw some strange thing that was like maybe an right. alien Right. They have like a vague recollection, but not of who it was. And so now it becomes like this, this like gray in their mind. It like falls into another conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yeah. Related to like the alien, the UFO conspiracy stuff. Yes. Um, anyway. Oh, this one's me. Layer 12 landscape. Um, oh, I do know the other one. That one's really funny. Yeah. The other one's really fucking funny. It's really fucking funny. Um, so anyway, layer 12, landscape. Um, Lane witnesses the frontier between the physical and the wired worlds finally begin to collapse. This is what the Wikipedia summary sentence said. I decided not to change it, but I was like, there. I feel like I would word that differently, but mm-hmm. whatever, I'll keep it. Um, the men in black are approached by their employer. Uh, again, that says the office worker in all cap or in like cap levels. We can levels. just call him Tachibana. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> Men in black are approached by their employer who gives them a final payment for their services, telling them to leave town before, uh, un- like basically go where there's no power lines, no satellite coverage. And there's like, you know, that there's no place in the, in the world that's like that. And he's like, guess you're fucked. Um, <laughs> and then after he leaves, both men in black suffer from death from an image of lane etched into their retinas. Um, even when they like take off their weird mm-hmm. night vision goggle things, they still can see lane. Um, then Alice enters Lane's eerie house. It's like in a state of bizarre disrepair now, um, and goes up to her room. 
Uh, Lane explains that she is actually a computerized program designed to destroy the barrier between the two worlds. Um, Alice is like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Lane's like, I love you. Um, you're my only friend, even without connecting to me. Um, and But still is kind of asserting this like, oh, we don't need physical bodies anymore to stay alive. It's just like what I'm doing. Um, and Alice takes Lane's hand and has her feel her warmth and her heartbeat and is like, no, this proves that uh this proves otherwise there's like we need bodies mm. um and this seems to convince blank given what happens after mm-hmm. um so at this um airy first unseen by alice uh appears behind lane assuming she needs to be debugged since lane is basically choosing like alice and to maintain embodiment rather than him and this like loss of the body and just everything becomes the the wired now um and Lane argues that Aerie was just an acting god for another higher power. Um, the Wikipedia page says that she asserts here that she is the goddess of the Wired, uh, like, over, but that doesn't happen. No. Um, yeah. Anyway. And it, in fact, when it come, this, like, gets suggested in the next episode, the perspective character Lane kind of objects to the wording. But anyway, um... Eri retaliates by basically turning into a monster from Akira, just goes full Akira body. Like, Mm, yeah. Um, and, uh, they say here to attain the vastly limitless power and strength that she possesses. That's a little bit elevated for Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, but Lane manages to crush Eri with her electrical equipment. I feel like it's not vastly limitless power if a bunch of computers can crash you and kill you. (laughs) Um, Also, there's been this whole thing made about how, like, she's the only person who now believes in and worships him. And so probably what makes more sense for, like, thematic stuff is that she no longer, like, believes and worships in him, and that's what... Uh In his, like, ideology. Yes. Yeah. Um, Anyway. uh, Layer 13. Ego. 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 Lego my ego. <laughs> <laughs> um, after Lane successfully protects Alice from uh, Erdi's attack, uh, they go downstairs and they go into the freezer. And um, thankfully, there are still Ego waffles <laughs> left over. Uh, she's eaten all the food in the house. After her Can you believe left. Stranger Things stole this one from <laughs> Serial yeah. Experiments Lane? Yeah, no no one has been grocery shopping for a long time. Like, but yeah. they come down and the Ego waffles are still there. Um so they uh <laughs> and then everything's better. Yeah, yeah. They they plug in toaster, um, pop in the Ego waffles. It's just down. an extended half hour uh commercial for yeah. Ego waffles. Yeah, and then they just like eat them very slowly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and just kind of and like, comment repeatedly on how good they are. <laughs> they try all of the <laughs> all of the varieties. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like proto YouTube content. <laughs> yeah, and then um, uh, after, so after like a period of time with this happening, um, Andy actually like remanifests. You know, it's like that one final like ah, <laughs> oh, like you thought you killed me, but you didn't like. It's like Cell, you know, like coming back mm-hmm. for the final battle. Um, uh-huh. and it, but it's just like his hand, right? Like 
his yeah. hand just like materializes because he's so weakened. He can just like only materialize his hand. So he like materializes his hand and it's like, you know, reaching out <laughs> to, to the plate. Uh, yeah. And Lane is just like, uh, it's like Lane of the Wired now, you know? She's yeah. like fully uh-huh. like using her power and just like obliterates his arm. And she's like, Liga my ego. So, anyway, do you, yeah. you want to read this synopsis? So, I have some ideas I mean, about this episode. You did a great job already, but <laughs> you did a great you did job the writing one that I wrote, so. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, yeah. All right. You just missed a couple details. Yeah, but it's it's pretty much it's pretty close. Um, although Lane successfully protects Alice from Ares' attack, Alice is still deeply traumatized. In order to fix this, Lane decides to do a quote-unquote factory reset on her life, deleting herself from everyone's memory. Distraught. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm like I almost I almost went on another ego. I almost just read this upcoming clause <laughs> and then just went for another ego. And another ego synopsis. Lego <laughs> oh, my ego synopsis. We're doing Dis- ego now. <laughs> Distraught from doing so, um, Lane is determined to dis- to discover her true form and identity. <laughs> uh, she is confronted by her bolder and more assertive self, Lane of the Wired. Who reminds her that the wired is not an upper layer of the real world, um, and they d- they discuss this idea. Um, yeah, her older wired self then assures her that she is the true god of the wired, saying she is an omnipotent and omnipresent virtual being that can go and be anywhere she desires and merely watch the real world from afar. Um, I'm I'm sure this isn't quite accurate, but I can't remember the like exact. Uh, flow of conversation enough to like yeah object um however lane says that she uh she like doesn't she's like taking issue with this um and says yeah she doesn't like how you're saying it uh quote unquote uh after causing her bolder self to disappear she does say like stop and then the other lane freezes and then eventually like dissipates um so after causing her bolder self to disappear lane sees her father uh, and enjoys having a meal with him. Um, we don't mm-hmm. see what the meal is, but I think we know. One might assume. I think we all know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alice, now- <laughs> Alice, now older with a partner. So it's like, um, there's more to this conversation between Lane and her father um, that yeah. maybe we'll we talk about. But um, then there's kind of like a scene change. Um, and it, like a time time elapses. Um Alice now older with a partner. Um is it the teacher? Maybe I was I trying to is. pick that out. I yeah. couldn't I couldn't quite discern it. Yeah, I think or it is. Or if teacher. not, it's like a another teacher or something. Yeah. A guy who looks very similar. Um Yeah. Uh so Alice now older with a partner spots Lane standing on an overpass as she's walking. Uh, through the city with her partner. Um, Alice seems to recognize Lane, but cannot remember who she is. Um, at first thinking she may be one of her former students. 
Um, but she is like moved enough by this sort of recognition to like go out of her way and run up to the overpass and like converse with Lane. Um, Alice and Lane nonetheless exchange names and Alice says goodbye and that she may run into Lane again someday. Uh, after she leaves, Lane says, um, I'm here, so I'll be with you forever. Basically being like, yeah, you totally will. Yeah. Uh, and that's the show. Yeah. <sighs> Anyone want to have starting thoughts here? Now that I've like imagined the the ego alternative ending. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know. I just, you know. It does just make the regular ending like kind of unsatisfying. Yeah. I think they need yeah. they really need to like make this 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 is like uh the Silent Hill like Shiba Inu ending. If they do like the re-release, they need to just like yeah. throw this in. Um I get- for for so i guess i can i can talk a little bit which is that um i think like emotionally this connected with me more when i first watched it mm-hmm. and i think some of it was that um it was talking about being a like a child who feels like uh distanced and detached from like your family um having what are potentially queer feelings but not really having like the full space to explore those yeah um like there are ways that you can obviously read what's happening with lane and alice is just like we're friends Mm. but there is i think a certain amount of especially in the way that earlier episodes like episode seven really starts figuring sexuality as like a a thing happening in this world Mm. um and it obviously comes up with uh, Alice and like her fantasies about the teacher, but I think also some of that stuff is like is bringing in sexuality as a thing that's happening in this world. So like, even though it's not explicitly saying this about Lane and her feelings towards Alice, it is like brought in like puberty and sexual maturity as a thing right. that these like characters are going through in a way where, um, when Lane says "I love you, Alice," and Alice is like do you realize what you're saying? Mm, yeah. Like there, there's a, a strong um, push towards like a queer thing happening. there. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of that stuff, just like, I did not have, I did not watch this saying, Oh, I love this show because it's about being a closeted queer kid who feels detached from your family and is like trying to figure out who you are and like, what you can even do with the world and struggling with like, like I think another big thing that comes up in these episodes is you first get the fear of being perceived where there's like an episode where like everyone's staring at Lane everywhere that she goes. Mm. Um, And it's about like the rumor spreading and the fear that people have of like, Oh, someone saw me doing this thing that was supposed to be secret. Um, And then Lane, like, erases the memory of people seeing her, and now it becomes the fear of, like, oh, no, I was so afraid of being seen, but now that I'm not being perceived either, this also fucking sucks and is scary and is, like, horrible in its own way. Um, And so a lot of that stuff, I watched it being, like, damn, the style of this is fucking incredible. The, like, sound design and the visuals are incredible. Um, This is, like, saying shit about the internet. Uh, and like 
you know, all of that. And now I watch it and I'm like, oh no, I think I just cued in on this because I was like going through similar things that Lane is going through. Not in that um, I was discovering that I'm the protocol that's supposed to merge the wired and the real <laughs> world, but just like I was fucking depressed and dissociating and uh-huh. uh, detached from reality in many ways. Um, and so I, at the time I really loved the ending um, and now there's a part of me that's like, man, it fucking sucks that it ends with like the potentially queer girl just like not being able to have any of that really realized other than just kind of like watching from afar. Um, mm. but also there is a part of me that is like the, uh, there, there's a part of me watching the ending now where I'm like, kind of. I kind of am glad that it, it is not just like she gets to reset everything and then erase all of the consequences of everything that happened. Anyway, I'm, you are you are smiling and laughing. I am smiling and laughing because just yesterday I was saying to you, "Hey, after the new movie comes out, I don't think there's any point in doing this before the new movie, but after the new movie comes out, y'all should like." Pencil in Madoka on the Ghost Diver schedule. I would show up for that. And there's I know what Madoka is. I know. There's just stuff you're saying that I'm like, oh, it's like the ending of Madoka, but I like Madoka. (laughs) Madoka Magica. Um it is a um oh, you know what Madoka is. (laughs) No, God, like you that was you were going in a good direction there. Yeah, you had me hooked. (laughs) Yeah. Um I was just laughing because there, there is a similarity between the ending of um, Lane and Madoka. Um, sorry for spoiling that. I guess <laughs> you mean the like the uh, uh, original series or the or like the films? Because I haven't seen any the of the or- films. The original series um, and then the films expound upon that. Um, mm-hmm. Or the third film. The first two films are just recap movies, and so they're kind of a waste of time, honestly. But um, the third film is a sequel. Um, anyway, I won't, I won't get into that connection too much here, but, um, yeah, I struggled somewhat with the ending of, um, it feels really bleak to me in a way that I couldn't describe. It felt like, it felt like at the end, all Lane has is like a lonely, existence of observing um and i it just kind of made me wonder like what was all of so much so a big part of what i've been like grappling with thinking about this show has been like there's a lot of interesting ideas floated um i find a lot of the stuff the show is talking about with like we see a duality or like a, a, a dichotomy between the real world and the wired. Is that dichotomy true or is that line blurry? We see a dichotomy between like self and others. Is that like real or is it like a blurry line? We see a dichotomy between our own mind and our own body, but that's not like a, you know, that's blurry. Um, there's a lot of ideas all through this show that I found really interesting. And then I got to the end and I was like, where did all those ideas 
get us to in yeah. some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what did all of that, like, lead to? And it felt like this sort of... The ending is just about Lane being isolated. Um, and I'm not saying that's, like, a bad ending. I'm just saying, like, I couldn't reason through, like, all of that was just for Lane to end up in a sort of existence that's the same sort of life that she was living before the show, almost. Where before she was in the real world, in her classes, feeling isolated and not like part of any other friend group. And then at the end, she's part of the Wired and feeling isolated. I I don't know. I I don't know. There, like... Oh, go oh, ahead. You, you go you first. Can, and... You can talk for it. Oh, okay. I was going to do a comparison to Ava. Okay. Yeah. Hit me. Because I, I think like this is obviously in dialogue with lots of things that brought up in previous episodes about how like I think this is in dialogue with like Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games because all of them are existing in this. Again, I I forgot to look it up after I briefly mentioned this on I think a, when we recorded last night, but this like devil culture idea. Yeah. That existed in Japan. This Can is I... part of it as well brief very brief sidetrack that ties into what you're saying yeah there's a moment in like whenever um the the one guy like tells the two um men in black like oh you better go somewhere with a like he he gives them their final payment then they die or whatever i thought for a minute that he was gonna be like my true evil plan has been the human instrumentality project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought that's where we were going for a but, second. But like one of the things that this is in dialogue with is Ava and Ava being a thing that starts out more as like a, I mean, we talk part of why I'm also bringing this up is that lots of people both in Japan as well in the West would be familiar with Evangelion. And also we've talked about this on the podcast previously. So if you're watching and listening along, you know, yeah. you've heard all of our takes. Um, obviously, it's still doing interesting things from the, the start, but it is kind of just more of a mecha anime. And it's like really those last two episodes where it gets truly experimental. And this is um, pulling from similar experimental spaces, but like right from the jump. Um, it's obviously or, like more overtly differently, but it's yes. yeah, it's more overtly like leading with it. Um, yes. And like from and like conveying it stylistically. Yeah. Um, and, but I think one of the other things that's happening here is this, there's like almost an inversion of part of, you know, there's the human instrumentality project that I guess spoilers for Ava, but like, you know, everybody on earth is going to become like part of one consciousness. And that's also kind of what's being proposed here with Mm. the wired. And, Ava ends with Shinji making the choice to like basically undo all of that and to go back to the real world. And if you're like reading it from the depression angle, it is coming to the realization that like, yes, being with other people, uh, having those relationships with other people opens you up to pain and yet that pain is worth it. The Like mm-hmm. um, you want to like be able to relate to other people or somehow have like these connections with other people necessary even if part of it. for being human. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of inverting it where it's like, Lane makes the same choice. I want to undo all of this. But undoing all of this 
undoing everybody connecting and losing their bodies and everything mm. means I do not return to the world and confront the like pain of connecting with others. But then I have to confront the pain of being alone yeah. and not connecting with others. Yeah. Um, in a way where, especially in that, like this show is very uh, preoccupied with suicide could be read as like suicide as a way of like protecting others. Mm-hmm. like killing yourself in a way that is kind of uncomfortable to me mm-hmm. when i think about this especially with lane being like suggested as being queer yeah um there's like almost an, an intentional choice of like if i am who i am that means that i am like disrupting society in a, in a significant way that means that like my attraction to this straight girl now I, becomes a problem <sighs> And so the the option I am doing is either to like you can read as like to literally remove myself or to like remain in the closet. Mm. And I, from that perspective, when I think of it from that, I'm like, man, this is this I, is bleak. Like I, for me, like when I have been in sort of that headspace, you know, there is almost a fantasy of like, oh, well, it would be okay for me to do it if it didn't affect other people in any way. You know, um, and Lane sort of lives that fantasy of it's okay for me to to go through with this as long as it does not affect other people in any way. Um, And in fact, it is confirmed that by me doing this, like people are not being hurt by my existence. Yes. And that feel and then we go to the next step of that looks way more painful. (laughs) The thing that she has experienced seems bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. So that's I, the thing that's like kind of heavy and hard for me with this ending, watching it this time, and especially with how much I resonated with it when I was like a suicidal, closeted teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, like, I think it is also doing and suggesting other things, but it's also like this is a part of what is happening here um, in a way that I'm not saying isn't worth exploring. Um, but does make me watch it being like, man, one of the real masterpieces everyone calls out is kind of about like a queer girl killing herself mm-hmm. and that being the ending mm-hmm. that helps everybody in the world. Yeah. I, <laughs> As opposed to like Tetsuo, where joining your flesh <laughs> with the, the metal flesh, they then are like triumphantly in their queerness being like, we're basically going to just like fuck up the whole world. We're going to make everybody like us. And that's fucking great. <laughs> Tetsuo's about being trans complimentary. <laughs> Tetsuo's such a good fucking it's movie. So good. Um, if people like Lane and haven't watched Tetsuo, what the fuck are you what doing? The fuck? <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, sorry, Connor. Yeah, speak, Connor. Speak. Okay. Um, (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Layer 14. Speak. (laughs) (laughs) It's always good to know, like, when when I'm allowed to speak and when I'm not. (laughs) Most of the time I can just, like, figure it out for myself. But I just just heard multiple. I just heard multiple times you go, "Eh." (laughs) and then I was, like, already saying something. That's what I'm going to do. You know, because there's a little bit of a lag. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make it clear That's that what I'm, I'm done talking. <laughs> I'm giving you space to talk. Okay. I recognize that you are trying to talk. Okay. 
Because yeah. I would just hate for you to feel like you can't talk. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. want us to keep inter- interrupting you as you're trying to talk. No, no, by so all please. means, just say, just say, don't, just say, don't speak, and then I just, I just will know that it's not time yet. Uh, from now on, I'm just gonna go uh, whenever I need to talk, like like you, like you just said. <laughs> And it, like you won't see it, but I'm gonna just like raise my index finger. Yeah, <laughs> sitting here, whatever I do it. You'll lean slightly forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll have to get really good at hearing the slight creak of your your desk chair. Yeah, this one this one's pretty quiet, but maybe you can hear it. I don't know. Um, okay, so, um, I agree that like the ending is. Um, well, first I'll say, like, I think the comparisons to Ava, to compare it to Ava is, like, um, A, like, definitely legitimate, and B, I think, an interesting point of discussion. Um, I definitely think, like, Eri and Gendo, um, are a very good point of comparison, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, like, their villainy is um, similar in some ways. Um, yeah. I also think the idea of like, yes, like undoing this like concatenation or like, um, or just like total fusion of all human consciousness under the like, you know, in- into this exploitative like framework, um, undoing it and going back to the one th- thing I would say differently is like, it's a changed world, like a, a radically changed world. Um, yeah. But it is like not, it is still undoing like the, the form of existence that was like envisioned by like, you know, Gendo or Eri. Um, and I think for me with this ending, like, um, yes, it is like emotionally, like complicated in a way that is like it is gut-wrenching um but there is like for me there's more of just like a blend of emotions uh that are being conveyed um and i think like my reading of of this ending is that there's a couple of like phases to what to what happens um so there is like the moment where Lane like resets, uh, so to speak, all of like what has occurred with like the wired, like the wired in the real world being like completely merged. And then she like deletes herself, uh, from everyone's memory. Uh, and there's all of the like discussion of that. That basically means you don't exist. Um, but, um, I think that idea is like actually not um, is not affirmed ultimately. So I'll just put that there. Yeah. Um, mm. And then she goes into this like, you know, void space where she's like talking to herself and being like, Oh yeah, now I'm like completely removed. And then she has a conversation with her dad where um, she is like, uh, so first of all, she has this conversation. It is like, uh, an emotional scene um, of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And it ends with her being like her dad, like her trying to say something 
and her dad helping her say like i just love everyone uh and then she like cries um and following like she's able to articulate this the next thing we see is her like on the street right Mm -hmm. um and it is like ambiguous what her like form of existence is at that point but I think it's notable that like she's not in that white space that we saw before. Like she is right. among people and Alice like sees her. And so does Alice's husband. Like people see her and can interact with her. And she's like interacting with people. Um, so I think what has happened is it's a more ambivalent space that she's in where she is like, she has, given up and like sacrificed all of you know her her actual like relation to alice and like all of her relationships as they were um and there is like kind of a christological like dent to this for me um in the way that it's like figured like her becoming a god or like you know taking on this role um is like related to her doing this sacrifice um, and I think there is like, that's where, um, for me, like everything that you're saying is like, is totally valid. Um, well, not that it's not valid in any other context, but, um, <laughs> that's where it really comes into play for me, like emotionally. Um, yeah. and where I feel like, uh, um, how do we read this? Uh, but like, even with that, like she is still among people. I think that's an important point that we're left with is like, yeah, she is kind of this God who's like given up these relations, but she hasn't like given up like being amongst like humans and interacting with humans Mm -hmm. and like having a certain, like having this form of existence um, that is like, you know, the embodied like form of existence where she's like again like interact having these embodied interactions i think that's really the term that is like important um yeah like having these embodied interactions with people like that is very much like affirmed um so it is like this complex for me like it's a complex it is extremely sad like the whole story of lane is extremely sad Um, Mm -hmm. but it's not just like, I don't think what we're left with is just like a totally bleak, like, yeah, it's, it's not devoid of all hope. Right. Exactly. Like, it's just like, it's deeply conflicted. Um, and like, it's painful, but it's also like, uh, it's very like. Um, it's also defined and like inundated with like Lane's love for like other for other people. Um, yeah. So that's like, like one of the one yeah, of the go bleaker ahead, moments. <laughs> <laughs> one of the bleaker moments. I want to say maybe episode ten, but it's like this back half of the series is, um, you know. The, the the news broadcaster getting on, on TV and being like, we all love Lane. Everybody loves Lane. Um, and it's like, really like, dark and bleak. 
um, as you see this vision of, like, everybody in the world worships her. Um, and that is one of the other... That is one thing that is, like, nice about the ending, is you get the scenes of all the people that she was connected to around town living their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like... Her connection, her love for those people has positively impacted them. And, like, one person's love pouring out is, is, like, this more positive thing in the world than everybody else's love sort of pouring into her, you know? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> or, like, yeah, like, this power imbalance. Um, or, yeah. like, this is going to get into, like, my... This is related to my brain dump later, but, like... It, it's interesting to think about, like, this series, like, oh, okay, there's this power imbalance with, like, first Aerie, but then, like, Lane, where it's, like, okay, I'm, like, subjugating, like, humanity, because I am, like, this god for whatever, like, science fiction reasons. Like, I'm, like, have this power to, like, subjugate humanity. Uh, and there is, like, that threat. Of yeah. that. Um, but then, like, with the ending, I think we're in a space where it's like, okay, Wayne still has this power. <laughs> She's just used it, like, benevolently um, mm-hmm. to, like, restore this, like, uh, yeah, to, like, create this restoration um, in, like, in accordance with, like, love. Um to create like this benevolent like er- order of existence, um, uh-huh. but like there is still like a god essentially, and it's Lane. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do your brain dump? Okay, yeah, I think this is a good a good time for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I'll try to like. I I hope I do this coherently. Um. Basically, this is just, like, my overall thoughts on, like, the narrative arc and specifically, like, the treatment of the relationship between, like, the wired and humanity. Um, And I think, like, for me, there's a few thematic arcs that are intertwined and then, like, intention for a lot of the series. Um, But ultimately, for me, become, like, a more coherent framework. Um, So on one hand we have like interconnectedness is posited as like one of the defining characteristics of humanity. Um, I think the like info dump um, episodes are like really heavy on this, um, but also mm-hmm. just like thematically, this is returned to and, and affirmed like throughout. Um, uh, secondarily, like it also posits like almost immediately that there's a crisis um, happening around like interconnectedness, like, or the like erosion of it. Um, And I'm thinking of like a lot of what we talked about last time, which is like this, uh, the really strong, like alienation theme, um, the characterization of like human interactions, the way that they're like almost overwhelmingly characterized. Um, with like horror and suspicion in that, like, it, especially the first half of the series, 
Um, mm-hmm. Except for like Alice, it's like um, there is just like this overwhelming aspect to it. Um, her family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then it's like called out in some of the dialogue later, like, oh, well, you know, we need to restore this like interconnectedness, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's like a crisis. This is one of the crises of like the series. Um, and it then like, as it goes on, it puts the wired into like context as part of a like continuous evolution of human air connectedness. So when it's talking about like, again, the like sci-fi, like info dump, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, well, you know, humans are like, we're originally connected. And like, this is the way that this has like manifested throughout time. And now the wired is like part of this, um, development. Um, I think what's important about that is that like the wired is not then like seen as an aberration, but as like something that is like natural, um, yeah, quote unquote, yeah. scare quotes, but like natural to humanity. Um, so like all of that on on one hand, um, and then on the other hand, well, okay, yeah, we're setting up the movement to the wired as like this uh, redemptive thing, or like a potential like corrective, like reclaiming human nature, restoring interconnectedness. Um, but then on the other hand. Like the presentation of the wired is like it so strongly conveys like deep discomfort <laughs> with the implications of like what the wired does to like privacy and agency and freedom. Mm. Um, and like also with the wired, like so much of that experience is colored by like horror and abuse and like incoherence or confusion yeah, and like loss of agency and identity um, with like Mika, like Lane's sister losing her mind. And then like people having their memories like overwritten. Um, and all of this is tied into like, Oh, these are like the wired is, you know, like the mechanism for what, like for, uh, for this to happen. Um, yeah. So, like, if it is, like, a restoration of human interconnectedness, it's also, like, so heavily skewed, at least seemingly, like, with how it's presented, with all of the worst aspects um, Mm -hmm. of, like, humanity. Um, And then also, like, it is creating this path for exploitation, um, where, like, certain, like, individuals... um, can do this like total domination. Um, right. And this is yeah. where like Ari comes in, um, who I think is a very, like, like I said, <clears throat> um, a Gendo type like villain um, that we are like, I think the series is very critical of um, and we are invited Absolutely. to be. And yeah. And like, we are invited to be critical as well. Um, but he's like, uh, like literally narratively he's deep he's like deeply connected with the nature of the wired um yeah because he is like you know he's authored the seventh protocol or whatever whatever um and there's this for me there's this dint of like this is the kind of persona that will be inevitably generated by the wired um 
like somehow the wired is like creating this type of person and like it's a yeah. reflection of the wired like that the kind of person who is going to like push this or like dominate this is like this misanthrope like narcissist who just wants to like dominate people um right and like somehow this is like an aspect of what this is about um and then like we get um like Ari and Lane the, that whole relationship um where he's trying to like manipulate her to go along with like this project um but the ending is like her breaking from him um and that is situated in the context of this like conversation with Alice where she's like it's this moment of like embodied interaction first of all where she's like yeah. takes off the wires and she like feels her Alice's heart and she says like you never connected with me and i love you so it's like and we've seen the like you know the reasons why like they have the relationship they have but it's also called out here that like part of that the reason that lane loves her or part of this love is like that they that this is not like a digitally mediated relationship it's not yeah. about like like you never connected with me um and so this relationship is like that turning point that allows Lane to like break from Aerie and like gain her freedom. Um, and then immediately thereafter, like uses a power to like preserve embodiment and reality mm -hmm. rather than like sublimating it to the wired. Um, so for me, this is like the treatment of these ideas is like, it's, it's multifaceted but it actually feels like somewhat conservative to me where like the series is insisting on like this, like of course, like the restoration of human air connectedness, um, but also like emphasizing that this needs to be like embodied. Um, so that somehow like preserving like embodiment is uh, like necessary for humanity. Um, and like even and again, like we discussed the restoration scene where it's like, oh, like the family is back together and like the kids are playing outside again. And like, you know, they're like out and like on the street and like talking to people and there's this community, like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and even like Chisa is, is like returned to embodiment and like given in a given a body again. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like this total rejection almost of like um this like different um this like radically different form of of existence um but i also think it's like not it's not ludism because it's also like um it's not rejecting it entirely right like it's saying like okay the wired still like remains part of like mm -hmm. uh of existence but it's not like it's rejecting this total move. Um, and then like, sorry, just, I'm almost done. I promise. No, um, no, I'm, I'm like starting to form my own thoughts and I want to hear where you're going. So, yeah. So the, the last two thoughts um, going along with like my reading of this as like complicated, it is like a complicated um, 
like framework of ideas, but I think it is like a little bit somewhat conservative. Um, it also like seems to reaffirm like this ontological need for like truth and order, um, like like capital T capital O, um, where like one of the things that stood out to me is um, the knights like the knight's objective to like make reality truth. Um, but of course, like their reality, their like idea of truth is like Aries like project. Um, and then Aries later says like, Oh, like, you know, I'm God. So I'm going to like make myself being God, like the truth. Like I'm going to determine what truth is. And if we just overwrite the memories and consciousness of all humanity, then we can overwrite like truth. We can make truth what like what we what we want it to be. Um, but number one, like he fails. <laughs> um, and then like number two, um, there are like key moments where, uh, like the series is strongly suggesting like, oh, even if you like erase all of like the memories of yourself. Like, uh, there's a dialogue where it's like, oh, if I erase, you are like just the memories of yourself and other people's consciousness. So if you're mm-hmm. erased, then like you never existed. And then it like, it's a, and then it's like, is that true? Go, sorry. sorry. It's like, is that true? Um, and like challenging that idea. Um, and I think that like, ultimately it is, um, in fact, like rejecting that, um, idea completely um and positing like um that like this that there is some sort of like objective like capital t truth um which in this series carries like also the charge of like justice and like reality um that is like um that is like objectively um grounded um, mm-hmm. and like cannot be uh, like overwritten um so yeah um and then I think this is related to the way that God is figured like it doesn't reject like God it like is basically like has this circular idea of Godhood where like Ari can't be God because his motivations are like incorrect um he's like this he's motivated by like you know narcissism etc um but like the end of the series is like lane seemingly becoming like taking this role um because her motivations ultimately are like you know this idea of like love or whatever this benevolence um that seems to be like more in line of with like the capital t truth (laughs) that is like uh being insisted on um so that's that's all um i know that was a long dump uh (laughs) and i uh i hope that it was like semi-coherent i thought so yeah okay you've been like itching to respond i don't know if you i don't know i i don't know i just as connor was talking like the gears were just turning in my head about like 
it was just useful for sort of like everything that you were saying was just very useful for sort of like helped me sort of pick apart some of my own like the the very frictional experience I've had with like not being super hot on this show um I um that like there's so much interesting stuff presented about oh like I mentioned earlier, like we see all these dichotomies and the show is sort of trying to complicate um, or interrogate those dichotomies. And like I said earlier, I was like, I was seeing all this and then it felt like those, those questions weren't reflected in the ending to me. Um, and just as you were talking, like, the thing that jumped out at me was, like, you talking about sort of the conservatism of the series. Um, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe the reason that, like, the, the, maybe the reason that it, it didn't land for me is that I thought we were going to end in a place where we break those dichotomies and that is good. Yeah. And maybe the series is ending in more of a place of of kind kind of like you said like restoring restoring those those like those dichotomies that were um being questioned, you know, restoring that like you know, the wired is the wired and the real world is the real world and those are separate um things. Um, yeah, like, I think it does, With Lane, Lane alone sort of existing in this sort of, like, in-between, but everything else is sort of more clear-cut now. Yeah, like, I think it does, like, essentially, like, a, like, dialectical, like, examination of these, like, concepts, and, like, stages the, like, like, the philosophical conflict, like dramatically mm-hmm. and then like ends up like for me does end up landing on like affirming like more complicated like conditional like versions of, of it if that makes sense yeah like lane can have her foot in both worlds but other people just don't in the same way you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm still thinking through it. I still feel like sort of dissatisfied with like, I feel a little dissatisfied with like the series and a little dissatisfied with like my own understanding of the series still. Um, yeah. But that was, that was all very useful for me, like continuing to piece it together in my head, you know? Yeah. I, I think the one, like a lot of what you said Connor, I I think my reading is there's like a lot of similarity there. One of the big differences is that I don't think that the series is actually asserting Lane at the end as a god. Mm. Um, I I do think that there's actual like, I think that it thinks of God as something that is different than just what like Kamisama is right mm-hmm. yeah proposing, which. 
as a note, like in Japanese, Kamisama is what some people would call like the Christian God. Mm-hmm. Although people might also say like Gado, or mm-hmm. there's like other ones that are like more specifically geared towards Christianity. Um, but like people who are Christians in Japan probably say Kamisama to, mm-hmm. to refer to God. Um, but it can also just mean like, uh, uh, you know, God in Shinto or whatever. Yeah. Um, like the, and the I, more and like think, general idea. Yes. And I think that like the, a lot of the stuff around like a, a God is a God because people believe in it and like worship the God that is more coming from like a Shinto perspective. Um, and gets brought up around like, uh, 80 and all of that. I think there is a way that you can read that like Lane has become more like a Christian God where, uh, she exists, whether or not people believe in her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is like, uh, omnipresent and potentially omnipotent. Um, but is benevolent. Mm-hmm. And a part of that benevolence involves like choosing not to intercede in a lot of things. There's, there's a way that you can approach that. But I think there is also an assertion throughout that, like, that she continues to assert, like, her lack of godhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the end is her claiming it. Uh, very specifically, I think she ki- kind of has this side of her that is like, what if you are a god? And rejects that side. And then what we immediately get is, no, I'm a little girl having, like, a, a meal and talking to my father mm-hmm. who may not be my actual literal father, but is my father Yes, yeah. is not in the like biological sense, but in the like actual social, like mm-hmm. familial, the person who serves that role. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like, as you, as we've been talking, I've been getting slightly emotional thinking about both the, like Alice saying like, here, feel my heart. It, like proves yeah. that there's a need for a body. Um, as well as the scene with the father. Mm hmm. Um, but I think it, to some degree, what, what Lane at the end is, uh, I think that like what's happening in the lane at the end is that she, my reading is not that she has become a God, but it is that she is a little girl who, in the way that all these other people have been given a body Mm -hmm. in order to be able to connect with other people in this more traditional way, she has moved to the state where it is like through the wired space through the internet where she is able to like have connections. Um, and I think like does regain some sort of embodiment when Mm -hmm. she's on the, the, um, you know, overpass and Alice sees her, but also that embodiment is the embodiment. Like that is specifically the overpass that we've been seeing in the OP the entire time that ends with her, the wind sort of starts blowing her hat away and then like time stops and Mm. she's able to move on. Um, and she is like, you know, notably still a little girl. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's ambiguity there. Does she actually just have a body now? Is she just a little girl? Has she finally reclaimed a body? Or it's like somehow simultaneously both. Like it's like a blended space. Yeah. Or is she just, she is in that space where like she's, primarily exists in the wired but can like in moments have this embodiment yeah um but only for the purpose of like having these limited interactions with people 
in like that bodied space in the same way that people might be able to have limited interactions with hers or with others through the wired mm-hmm. in the way that you go on your, you know, navy your your little Palm pilot with the separate touch screen on the side from the main screen. And you can like connect with other people and you can connect with other things through mm. that. And she's on the opposite side of it and is, is able to occasionally inhabit like a physical yeah. space to interact with people that way, but is primarily existing in this like online state. <clears throat> but for, so that's, that's part of it is that like, I think there's a lot of ambiguity around there. There is ambiguity around whether or not she is a god, but my like where I personally land on is like, no, she's a little girl. Mm. Um, it's interesting. Um, like, if anything, she exists as a yokai <laughs> in this world. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. <laughs> and like, um, <laughs> like, so it's the girl who you see on the overpass and you feel like you can remember her name, uh, but you don't. And then you say <laughs> that you'll see her again. Um, and if you say that you'll see her again, then you will encounter her again, but you will once again not remember her name, even though she told her you her name. It's interesting. <laughs> um, we touched on it briefly, you know, with in episode twelve, and this this has been happening throughout the series. But in episode twelve, it gets really, really explicit of like, um, Eri, um, like embodies himself through this like monster that like the animation is like deliberately evoking like stuff from akira the film um they also put a lot of the budget in that (laughs) which i am the best animated (laughs) sequence of the whole thing yeah the and i'm i'm only going to be speaking to akira the film because i have not read the series um but um there was a lot of for me um like I could see a lot of Akira's f- fingerprints all over the show, and the a thing that was really interesting to me is the ways in which um, Akira is a is about some of these same concepts, but it is about like the ways in which the atom bomb like reshapes humanity's relationship to itself. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and and reshapes like the next step of human evolution, and now Lane, you know, ten years later is approaching similar sort of like thematic territory, but instead of the atom bomb, the piece of the 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 piece of technology that is like reshaping humanity and evolution and all these sorts of things is um is the now the wired, yeah, um. And I, I, the thing that is so, a thing that is compelling maybe is like, at least the film Akira, like, ends with like, Tetsuo sort of unambiguously ascends to godhood and like a, a, a different, like, way of existing that we humans cannot yet, like, perceive and interact with and like, uh, all of this uh, stuff. Whereas, like, Lane sort of gets there, but in a much like messier way, which <laughs> messier know. than Akira. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's like, a high for... bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll let you finish this thought, but like less literally messy, <laughs> less physically messy. <laughs> but um, 
just messy in the sense of, you know, the atom bomb is this, like, moment in history that is sort of, like, clearly defined. There was a day before and a day after people were, like, like yeah. affected by this weapon, whereas, like, the internet is this much more, like, gradual integration into human life that, like, we don't know the shapes it might take. Whereas, like, the atom bomb, we can so clearly see, like, what the next step of that might be, you know? Yeah. yeah. Whereas we don't know what, like, the internet, what, like, paths this might lead us down, you know? Yeah. That's all. Um, yeah, I think it is, like, to the extent that, like, Lane is... Like, I think Lane is, like, framing that question and is, like, okay, like, well, like, the internet can't, like, virtuality, like, the internet can't become everything. Like, we're just saying, Mm -hmm. we're going to say that, like, for sure. But, like, also, it exists in this, like, ambivalent space of, like, whereas, like, I mean, if you expand the like conversation about the atom bomb to like nuclear technology, then this gets a lot more complicated. Um, yeah, for but I think sure. with with like the atomic bomb, it's easy to just be like, yeah, like we just can't like that can't be a part of the future at all, um, right? Or like shouldn't be. Um, whereas Lane is like, okay, yeah, like we're talking about the internet, like it's 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 not quite as like easy to um to like prescribe um Mm. what the relationship should be and so it ends up in this ambivalent space of like i i do think it's like affirming both of the things where it's like there's something that is like lost if this becomes everything and there's something that is like dangerous about this in the way that like fit like non-virtual existence isn't um but also this is like a like almost like an imminent like part of humanity as well that's just like arising but like not foreign to humanity um and also like potentially like in many ways a good thing um because of it like facilitating um like interconnectedness so it's just like i i agree <laughs> a long-winded way of saying <laughs> i agree like it is it is a messy um like it is a messy place that it ends up yeah 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 but like and you bringing up akira though also like further goes into some of how i'm reading what's happening with lane where like yeah tetsuo like becomes an unknowable thing Mm -hmm. um that is like has evolved beyond like what we as humans can even like fully comprehend Tetsuo gets Star Trek the motion picture. Yeah. Lane is in a space that may be difficult at times to understand, but you fully understand the motivations of Lane. She still has fully human motivations. Yeah. She's a, a, like, girl who wants her father to say, like, I'm proud of you, basically. Yeah. And help her, like, work through her feelings about other things and, like, actually just be a good dad. Yeah. Um, and wants to, like, see the girl that she likes. This, this is <laughs> and the like, reason. those are so human. 
The, the, <laughs> another thing that I've talked about is like, you know, feeling like, ah, there's a lot of interesting things to chew on in Lane, and it's visually, it's like stunning. It's like a beautiful show. Yeah. And I, I, I was talking about like, but the thing that was hard for me was like not having that moment of emotional connection. Um, and that's why the scene at the end with the father and also the scene um, where he's leaving and he's like, I didn't have to say I love you, but I wanted to come back and say it anyway. Yeah. It's, that's where the show In fact, I like wasn't hits. supposed to come back. That's where the yeah, show yeah. hits. <laughs> well, and especially for me as like a uh, kid who's had... It's like, yeah, yeah the, the family that I felt weird and distant from, it would be great if my dad was just like, no, very genuinely, I want to come say that I love you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but no, like, I, I think that, I, as I said, there's like other anime that we've covered that I think I like more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that we haven't really talked about too much, but like Ghost in the Shell stuff is also dealing with similar themes. Um, I think some stuff it does better, some things it doesn't hit on quite as much as, like, Lane does. I think they're, like, taking slightly different focuses. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think Ghost in the Shell is just far more upfront about, like, no, like, nations are not erased with the internet at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, I don't think Lane is asserting that nations are erased either. Yeah. No. Like, even yeah. when it specifically comes up, it is, like, specifically kind of being like some people say this and they're fucking morons which yeah. was a thing that was like happening in the 90s people oh, were like oh yeah you know the utopia of the internet yeah but i think also lane is more interested in looking into even without the dangers of like huge corporations on the internet and nations and everything what what other dangers exist there um what other like ways does this become problematic um or like uh a thing that we need to grapple with, even if you presuppose like the erasure of nations mm-hmm. um, and like those borders. Um, but also it's fully like, no, of course, fucking countries still <laughs> exist. Nations still exist. Like, yeah. That's you know, the point where you're like, okay, you need, you need to watch second gig. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Lane, Lane understands, you know, that as long as there are people, there will be people who want to dominate other people. <laughs> yeah. You know? And therefore yeah. the nation, the concept of a nation will continue to exist. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't know that I agree with the thing I just said, but that is a thing that like most people would agree with. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or at least like, okay, it's not going down easy. Yeah. It's not, you know? that is not an, a, a part of human evolution that is going down easy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, like, um, Oh, we got the internet now. Like, nationalism is not going to exist anymore like yay so we did it guys (laughs) (laughs) we did it um yeah i do think that like just the vision of like the internet and both where it was at the 90s and like where it is heading i think is like pretty spot on in lane oh totally um i mean i think that's part of why people still connect with it too is because it's like you watch a lot of shit about the internet from the nineties and you're like, man, even at the time this was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You watch the matrix and you're like, man, I like this movie, but even at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you watch hackers. Have you seen hackers? I have not seen hackers. It's a good no, fucking movie, but also it's, it's very dumb about what the internet is for a movie. That's all about the internet. Ghost Divers season 24 hackers. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, um, both of you should watch Hackers. Hack the Planet. I'll, yeah, <laughs> we should I'll... watch Hackers, Sneakers, and Flatliners, which are three movies that are ex- inextricably tied in my head just because it's like, Verbers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do it for the question bucket. Just at some point between now and then, try and watch Let's, we'll throw in We'll throw in Tremors in there. <laughs> um very very thematically consistent selection there yeah um, um yeah the libertarian like fantasy that is tremors <laughs> that would I be fun seen tremors oh so- my god yeah it's just like total like yeah it's it's fun i think like you know it's fun on I, that basis I love... of like, oh yeah, this is just like a complete like fantasia of like every <laughs> like you know like gun hoarding libertarian ever. I I do love sometimes like just indulging in like let me just watch the most ideologically bankrupt shit in the world. You know, I yeah. love indulging that impulse sometimes. Um... So. This yeah. was, like, not with the main RPG group. I just did this with, uh, like, I had a friend who was visiting, um, and then there was, like, another person who had sometimes been like, oh, we should do, like, roleplay stuff. Like, you know, tabletop roleplaying game stuff. Um, and so the three of us did Action Movie World, which is one of my favorite oh, games yeah. to just it's pull out one. for people who don't, like, play games that often. Because uh, if you've watched dumb action movies, you can play Action Movie World. Um, and uh, the two people who I was like GMing for decided to do the like vigilante movie or whatever. Um, and I was just like, you know that this can go like real libertarian, right? That's like what all these vigilante movies are. Um, and we were all like, yeah, we're okay with that space. And then we all just collectively decided to make it the most libertarian wet dream movie ever. <laughs> and so we just <laughs> for fun played out the most ideologically bankrupt movie. Um, yeah, it was pretty great. But I always think of that now whenever I think of, like, just watching a movie that's going to be just obviously completely, like, bullshit politics. I'm just like, oh, man, remember that one time that I played a game? (laughs) Yeah. Speaking Um, of, um, like, ideological bankruptcy, um, one of the things, like, this is is responding to your earlier comment about, like, Lane's um, portrayal of the, like, prediction of the internet. Um, one of the things that I was th- thinking about is our discussion last time where we were like, we were talking about the same point, um, about like, oh, well, yeah. you know, people go online and like, you know, in Lane, there is this idea of like, oh, you go online and you're like totally different. Um, and like, I think at that point I was like, yeah, that feels a little like that doesn't hit f- for me now in 2022 where it's like. I think a lot of the time, what I was saying then is like, you know, a lot of the time, like people just, they go on and they have like purposes that are like, like they're, they're like mostly themselves or like similar to like how they would be outside. Um, but I was thinking more about that, like watching this arc. Um, and I was really reconsidering it because I was thinking about like, the way that like Lane kind of portrays the um, 
I think there's a there's like a affirmative way of looking at this, a positive potentiality, um, but also a negative potentiality of like um, people going online and like having their like online self be like transformed through like the forms of discourse that they're like participating in. Um, and I'm thinking specifically about people like being radicalized, um, like right wing yeah. radicalization, um, like Gamergate stuff, for instance. Right. Um, and I was reading like a very uh, unfortunate like comment thread um, that started me like thinking about this. Um, how like the horror of like someone going online and like having this happen um, and then like having that. Um, just for like retort, just f- as a rhetorical construction, having that version of themselves that like radicalized online persona come back into the real world and then like remerge with their like physical self. Um, mm-hmm. and then them like go out and do violence. Um, or well, you know, maybe just like, uh, more localized like abuse being like a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, or in like abusive to them, to people around them, um, or actually doing like terroristic acts, um, like shootings and, um, you know, I don't have to explain any further about that. Um, and so like, that's kind of my reconsideration of that where I'm like, there is, um, and, and we can debate that more and we can be like, oh, well, you know, they're pre-internet like because of like there's all all of these like potentialities already existed in them before they went on the internet or whatever. Um, and maybe it's not just because like there are like interactions there. Um, but I, I do think it is like, I think it's linked. Um, yeah. So like, I think it's inextricably linked. Um, and so there's like like a a, horror to that different, a different angle from this too, is like, um, you know, people identifying as trans increased Mm -hmm. in like more, you know, in the last few decades compared to some previous times. Uh, there's lots of like, oh, it's a fad or whatever, but also some of it is just like literally most trans people who've come out recently. If you talk to them about the experience, um, I, a large number of people will be like, well, yeah, like I was in communities online where I felt like I could present this way. And especially with like the way that the internet will allow me to control my image mm-hmm. to a greater extent than like standing embodied in front of someone. I could still be like fully to everyone in my like day to day life, a boy or a girl mm-hmm. or whatever. And then I could like begin constructing this other identity that is like this person who I want to be, but I could be that person in that space. And Mm -hmm. then at a certain point, whether intentional or not, I started constructing that identity. Um, And then eventually it was just like, well, fuck, I have to like just live as this. Yeah. In my day to day life, too, because. Yeah. This is better. (laughs) Shortly after I. um, So as far back as I can remember, like. Uh, I have been a person who, like, hangs out online a lot, you know? And this has been a thing that my parents 
being of the generation that they're of have always been kind of wary about. Um, and <clears throat> shortly after I came out as trans, I remember a conversation with my mom and stepfather where um, one of them said something like, well, we just don't want people online to convince you that you're transgender because you think it's like, will make you fit in or something. And I, I felt like the, <laughs> you know, Camille has the new type flash. Humans can't understand one another um, because I'm like, you don't understand that. Like, it's not people online convinced me that I am trans. It's that I was trans and I sought out spaces unconsciously but without my own awareness of it sought out spaces where I could express that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Like part of what made it easier to come out was, you know, in those spaces, I didn't have to have me, my body. I could put a picture of an anime girl and just be like, I like that anime girl. That is just a an image I like. And I can just have that there. And then I can sort of ponder it in my mind. Why do I like this anime girl? Is it perhaps because I want to look like the anime girl? <laughs> yeah. Is it perhaps because I want to embody the social roles that this extremely compact anime I like? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and but there's also to like... I think, and I think this show also does this well. Of mm -hmm. like, there's still always, to some degree, an amb ambiguity of like, yes, like me becoming, like there was, there were just qualities about me that were trans before I ever interacted with the internet. Mm -hmm. But also, the fact that I interacted with the internet means that I transitioned in a way yes. where if I lived like fifty years ago or a hundred years yeah. ago. There's a very decent chance that I would still, especially a hundred years ago, that I would still just be living in rural Michigan as a farmer. And yeah. fuck, if I'm going to transition, I don't know if I would even understand like what I want to be. I would just be like a depressed, you know, farmer. Yeah, farmer <laughs> who's just like, well, I guess this is life. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I so would have been a farmer a hundred yeah. years ago. You'd just, just be aside, like, you just like, you know, have your sheep, you know, and you'd be like trying to make no, it cause, out cause there this in Michigan. Michigan. So I, I probably would have been growing. No, fruit. no, you, you'd, you'd still have sheep. So it'd still be a bit fruity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd I know, have I know you're trying to do an independent people thing. Mm. But. What's independent people? Uh, there's a bonus episode that we did for, uh, like New Year's of this podcast that you can go back and listen to, Connor, if I, you want a little. It sounds like a really context. good anime. It is. It is. Speaking yeah. of really good anime, I had something that I wanted to say that has nothing to do with Serial Experiments Lane. Yeah, Does I, I feel like we're getting to the point where we're going to end this episode soon, so now we're going to say bullshit. I, Absolutely. You know, this isn't Absolutely. bullshit. I just, I just was thinking about something. Um, and maybe this is basic. Maybe the two of you are going to hear me say this and be like, duh, obviously. The thing about the scene where the major is diving under the water and she comes up and Bato is like, why would you do that? That's so dangerous. Bato is a man who literally goes and gets in gunfights for fun. What is he? Who is he to criticize the major for? This is the thing they do. 
Yeah. What is the difference between diving and going and doing dangerous black ops missions? Does Bato not understand that? I don't think he fully understands. Yeah, I also think Bato is like, I don't like it when you like are in danger. When you like put yourself in danger. Or does he not like that she's calling attention to the fact that this is what they're doing constantly? I think some of it is that he feels okay endangering himself and does not want yeah. that for her. Absolutely. Yeah. And then to see it, to be like, especially because for me, Bato is a character who's so defined by, um, this is his job and he does his job, but he's like, of all of the characters in, in standalone complex, especially, but like kind of ghost in the shell broadly, I feel like he's the person who you will most often see be wrestling with the like humanity side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of like, I want to just like be able to connect with these people. And then I'm like doing an undercover thing. And then I just have to like kill them or arrest them or like let my coworkers kill them because that's yeah. my job and I'm going to do it. But then I'm going to be extremely sad about it. And I'm going to like take some memento that I had that right. reminds me of that person and like, you know, violently destroy it because I'm like mad about the position that I'm in. Yeah. Um, and I really just want to go home to my dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a certain amount to which like, yes, he's going out and endangering himself all the time, but it's like this job that he has accepted that this is like the job that he has to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think he understands why the major would then do it recreationally for recreation. Yeah. Yeah. Would regularly endanger herself. Yes. It's it's okay. also, um, I think also it's like a part of her that he can't access or like understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. And that's like, like her motivations for doing it and like spa- literally like spatially um, because she's like under the water. It's like this, this separate space. Um, yeah. That she like goes to. Um, Man, Ghost in the Shell is a good fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> also, it's great, I know you. There was a part where uh, I think it was like when we were recording the final discussion episode for. Um, what did we do before Bacchano? Oh my god! Was it Utena? Yeah, was it Utena? It's been it's been ages ago now. I think it was. Oh my Utena. god! Or no, it was it was Ghost in the Shell. We did the Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and that's that makes further sense. Uh, we're like. Yeah, when we did the the final episode, I was like, oh, like Autumn might show up to do because they're watching like standalone complex right now. And I they, should like, standalone complex. In. I really um, like that show. And I just and we recorded it. that because we recorded all of second gig and then we did all the movies. We did it like many, many months before the, the question bucket. And by the time yeah. we got to the question bucket, I was like, I think like when I said that on the podcast like Autumn never watched another episode after that. <laughs> I didn't say I'm, that on, a, on an episode then, but I think that's what happened. I think so. I'm just bad about finishing things. Yeah. As I'm not trying I'm, to call you out here. No, as, no. Yeah. I've all cop to it. Like, you know, I Berserk is my favorite shit in the whole world. I'm making you all watch Berserk now because I like it so much. Um I got to like 20 volumes in and then I just stopped reading Berserk for like four months and I was enjoying Berserk (laughs) and I was really enjoying Standalone Complex too I don't know why I stopped watching Standalone Complex but I'll be I I did it (laughs) yeah no that happens to me too I get that it took me like two years to play uh Metal Gear Solid 5 
to finish it. But that's I, a like, long ass game. I enjoyed every <laughs> I enjoyed every second of it, but like I just stopped for super long periods of time. Um, yeah, so um, I get it. Yeah, I mean the reason why you weren't on that question bucket wasn't that you didn't watch Stanley Complex. You've you I, joined for our Camardi High School one, <laughs> which are you gonna read along with Pondering Bhutan? If I, it's like six pages per episode. What I was what I was about to say is like if I read Cromartie High School, I may just go ahead and read it and then just listening to to Puton. But also, work. it is tempting to just read along six pages. Um, I mean, it's like a gag comic, te- so it's, yeah. Text me about it when I leave work tomorrow, and I'll put it on Tachiomi on my tablet. It can't hurt me to like download the like I've got the space on my you know tablet to just download it and you know yeah i mean I'm, it's gonna take us a while to get through one volume so you just have to download a volume <laughs> yeah you're yeah. not you're not pointing a gun at me and saying you have to keep up with pondering Putan. it's just like oh yeah i should try to keep up with it and if i yeah. fall off i fall off um yeah yeah is this is this the moment where we wrap i think so i think so okay <laughs> um pondering Putan is always a good good note to end on yeah um oh. which by the time people are hearing this has been going for a while but yeah it's like literally launching as we're recording this the the forward came out on the patreon feed it's not even in a public feed yet um and i called it the forward but it's not like the actual forward of the book i just wanted to do a instead of just calling it like the trailer or something i wanted to do a kind of mm-hmm. all the rest of the chapters anyway um any final things before i start all the spiel um so your first note here, next episode, question bucket. I wanted to say something about the question bucket, question bucket episode. Okay. Um. So there was in Japan a oh, lane, yeah. a lane video game that was written and developed alongside the series. Like it had a lot of the same staff. Um. It is a different story about Lane. I think is my understanding of it. It is also, like, not a, a video game, per se. It is, like, closer to, like, an audiovisual twine game in common parlance, or, like, kind of a visual novel from what I can tell, but not really. Anyway. It's different than, like, the standard format you expect from a visual novel. The thing I, I talked about, which this was still a little bit more of an oddity than, like, walking simulators are today, because yes. that kind of took off, but, like, when... When early walking simulators existed before, like, it really took off as, like, a genre that people are making, um, I feel like it was basically coming out of the same space and the same idea of, like, what the lane interactive thing is, is basically, like, you rooting around computer files. Basically. And finding stuff and, like, piecemeal story stuff instead of, and that being, like, a thing that on lower tech is easier to represent. And now that tech has gotten higher, instead of it just being like you're on a computer rooting around, you're like walking through a space and looking at things. Yes. So that game was not released in the U.S. Um, However, if you go to lanegame.net, some people have... There is a translation that exists, and uh, there was just in a PDF for a long time, and so you would have to like have the PDF open and reading it uh, as you're like looking at the game people have now sort of like rebuilt the game from the ground up 
in um, browsers, and so you can play it uh, just by going to lanegame.net, and it's just all right there. I'm not saying that I am going to, like, fully play all of this game. I'm not saying that either of you two have to. I'm saying that sometime between now and the question bucket, I'm going to boot that up and spend 30 minutes with it, and maybe I'll finish it, maybe I won't. Yeah. So... That, that seems uh, slightly related. Yeah. Uh, as of recording, very recently, it was announced that they finished the um, English translation of the PSP port of Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. Um, we have had this game in the West as the original the original PlayStation one, um, although there were like some changes to it, including like it was very heavily localized in a way that... Th- now makes it odd if you play the localized version of Persona 2 mm-hmm. um, Innocent Sin on PSP because we never got that one back on PlayStation. So what I'm basically saying is that like for a while I've played Innocent Sin, I've played Eternal Punishment, but they're like on different consoles yeah, with like very different uh, localizations based on like different familiarity in the West with like Shin Megami Tensei and the stuff that it's doing. Um, and so it's kind of just been a little bit of like a weird yeah, mangle of things. Um, and I was thinking about replaying them anyways, but now that this is out, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do the two PSP ones. Yeah. Um, and I've been having an itch to play a video game again. So I might be playing that when we get to the question bucket. Um, so if people do have questions about that, I feel like there's like some, it's been a little while since I've replayed Persona 2, but I feel like there's also some like, Whatever uh, is happening that, like, the same things that Lane is responding to culturally that's, like, happening in other art forms in Japan, Persona 2 is also responding to a lot of those same things. In that, like, there's an entire system around spreading rumors and making rumors become true. I just... um, And, like, how you can change information to change, like, reality, so... I'm excited because I think that Persona is the only thing in this life that you care about more than Nana. No. (laughs) I care about Nana more. (laughs) Persona games are just games that are fun to play. (laughs) Um, Nana is a way of life. Yeah. (laughs) Chie does hold a special place in my heart because for... uh, There's... Like a, a, a maybe a year where I started doing this before I even figured out myself, and then I continue to do it, but with like increasing self awareness. Where I said that I was uh, Sadanakachia with a beard. <laughs> this was like my Twitter display name for a while and things. Um, my icon was I just photoshopped a beard onto Chie. Um, so. Then I lost the beard, so I guess I'm just here now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next episode, we'll be doing the question bucket. So if you have questions about any of the shit we've mentioned, I don't know if you have any other random stuff you want to bring up, Connor. Um, nope. Just, right into ghostdiverspod at Gmail. Just reiterating, yeah. Any any questions about any random shit we've mentioned or, or not mentioned, just toss them in the bucket. Yeah. Send us all your questions about Ghost in the Shell 95. So, um... I forget who it was who I think said in the Discord that like it was oh it was they Aiden, wanted to I think Aiden wanted yeah. to send in stuff for for Bacchino. just fucking send that in yeah we'll I'll talk just, about- please send in your Bacchino questions I'll get to have a nap during the podcast yeah 
Perfect. Anything that we have covered previously, you can just yeah. send in questions about. Yeah. Um, I feel like people don't take us up on that, but I just want to reiterate it. Yeah. Um, normally, I would talk about Export Audio Network and thank you for hosting us, but you're right here. You can do the whole spiel. Yeah, so um, I run Export Audio. Um, you can learn more about us by going to exportaud.io. That'll take you to the Patreon fa- page where we have sort of the whole spiel. There's links to all the free feeds, to all the podcasts. They're pretty easy to remember, like exportaud.io slash ghostdivers to get to this podcast. Or you can give us a dollar a month. You get access to most of the stuff we do early. You don't get this podcast early, but you do get Pondering Puton early. Um, also Ornate Stairwells. Also Ornate Stairwells. You and I do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Done a lot of experimental Japanese cinema on there if you like late. <laughs> <laughs> um... And, um, yeah, I feel like I usually give more of a spiel, but I usually, like, lead in with, like, you find me on Twitter, blah, 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 and my rhythm is thrown off. But that's the basics. Yeah. yeah. Give $5 and get access to Pop Town Funk, a yeah. podcast where my wife and I goof off. And also, at some point, I'm assuming Weed of Time is still coming. I, I have, oh, I that, have is developments. That the, is that the timer for Weed of Time? Yeah, I have is developments that... about Weed of Time that I will share with you, Nia. Okay. Um, and I guess I could probably say on this podcast that won't go out for two months. Okay, I'll say. When is this coming out? Um, let me let me find the exact. So we can always cut this. We can always cut this. Um, let's do Ghost Diver's official schedule. Uh, September 16th. Okay. So that's six weeks from now. Yeah. So I was thinking about reading that first Wheel of Time book. And then I installed Fate Stay Night. And I'm currently... (laughs) I am not telling any of my friends who like Fate Stay Night that I am reading Fate Stay Night. I I guess I told Molly. um, Because Molly's cool. Um, Because... Either, and but six weeks from now we'll know the answer to this. Either I won't keep up with it. I'll I'll do this for like three days and not finish it. Yeah. Or I'm gonna get deep into this, and I don't really want to include any other friends in this until like I know we'll know by September sixteenth whether I'm sticking with this or not. Yeah. Anyway, I'm definitely not also reading Wheel of Time while. <laughs> you know, double fisting wheel of time and fate stay night. That shit ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable. <laughs> um So Yeah. And then follow the podcast at Ghost Ever's Pod on Twitter. Uh you can follow me at Foxmomnia or Mediav underscore pile. That's M E D I A M H underscore P I L E. Um Get it? It's it's media of like Neve. <laughs> that was my idea. I wrote yeah. that. It makes more sense written than saying it. But yeah, because <laughs> it, it would be more like media. <laughs> anyway, where can people 30. find you, Connor? Uh, y'all can follow me at Rebelays or Rebelleais on Twitter and co-host. Yeah, I'm also Fox Mommy on co-host. Where can we all follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at a terminal underscore coffee. You can follow me on co-host at a terminal 
or on co-host, you can go to at Akewood today, where I will just be posting random Akewood comics. You're not going to do... I guess, is it still running? What? Akewood. No. 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 Okay. It, it, it's one of those things where, like, if Akewood came back tomorrow, I wouldn't be, like, shocked, because I don't think that Chris Onstat does a whole lot else with his life, except make except think about Akewood. I don't know what he's been up to the last six years. He, like, stopped making Akewood, but he, like, does paintings of Akewood characters. It's weird. He's a weird guy. I hope he's well. Anyway, um... No, just, like, today... Like, today is July 30th, and so I was, like, search the archive. There have been three Akewood comics that went up on various July 30ths over the years, and I just picked one at random and posted it. Okay. I'm not reading it, I'm just posting it. We're just yeah. sharing Akewood with the people of Co-Host, because I think Akewood is fantastic. Okay. That's it. You can also follow uh, at Heathcliff on Co-Host. <laughs> me. Yeah. Um, where I do today's Heathcliff, usually. Yeah. Um, also at Nana, if you want Nana content. I don't. Bye. I, I, <laughs> I said that. I'm six volumes deep in reading Nana now. Because of you. Yeah. It's great. It is. It's one of the best manga ever written. Alright, everyone. One might say. Before this carnage ensues. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> say bye to the people. Bye. Yeah, I'm
Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally reading Nana while uh, you were putting your child to bed. I was just hanging out reading Nana. Yeah. It's not good enough, Autumn. <laughs> <laughs> With your disinterest. Your stated I, disinterest. I only state disinterest to annoy you specifically. Yeah. That's there was the a time where I got a little actually bothered by it. There was a time where I was just flippantly like, "Who cares about fucking Nana?" Just and I was, I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to be jokingly prodding at you, but I think it was weird because I was on a podcast that you weren't on, so then you just heard it two days later of me just being kind of a jerk. <laughs> For yeah. no reason. Well, everybody else on the podcast is just like, what? <laughs> you do know that Neve listens to this podcast, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But then you continue to play it up, because at first I was kind of joking about it, too. Uh-huh. And then it just got to... Yeah, you I also get... weren't reading Nana at the time. Yeah. yeah. It's more chill for me to make the joke now. Yeah, well, you're actually reading it. Yeah, yeah. it feels really chill. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I have realized that I've I've gotten to this point where like I've become weirdly defensive about Nana stuff, mostly just because I know that I like Nana a lot and talk about Nana a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've just like found I, myself in a way where sometimes I just sometimes I am just like it's okay for me to be slightly defensive about this, and there's other times where I'm like I need to check myself a little bit. <laughs> Um, I was really just quick, noticing I, the other day. I'm, I have to jump go. off because I have to. Um, I have to go pick Sarah up from my party. Um, okay. She yeah. She just texted me. Do um, you want to do one last time? That is clap. Yeah, let's do it. Sorry about that. Okay. No, just no so worries. Okay. You you like work tomorrow morning. I have a toddler who wakes up sometimes at six now. 
Ooh. Yeah. I went through um, that phase as a kid. I don't right. think, because they didn't nap today, so mm. I think they'll probably sleep better, but um, let's do they're maybe a little grouchy tonight. But. Let's do 42. Alright. I might have just yeah. snooze early. Yeah. That's fine. I'm I probably going to okay. use the first one, but um, All right. I want that to sound nice and crisp, where we both like both of you hit at the same time when it's in the actual episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. bye, Connor. All right, bye. see ya. See ya. Um, it was it was great as always, Autumn. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Talk to you. Uh, talk to you both. Yeah. Later. Yeah. We could just keep rolling. We could just keep chatting. Yeah. I was gonna say, but you you know this more hmm. than Connor. Where I talked about Nana and Berserk on our stairs. Oh yeah, what was the thing? There was something that I was getting weirdly defensive about, and then I like thought of you. I was like, ah, Nia also gets weirdly defensive about Nana, just the same way that I get weirdly defensive about. Was it Stormlight? Was someone shit talking Stormlight? And I was like, fuck you. Maybe stupid motherfucker. <laughs> I was like ready to also. You know, Nana, very hugely successful. Stormlight, like, hugely successful in America in a way that, like, makes it different for me to get, like... (laughs) Yeah. What's weird with Nana is that Nana is hugely successful in Japan, and Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, its failure to, like, fully translate over to a U.S. audience is probably for a lot of both like US publishers as well as like within Japan indicator that the American market is even less interested in like mm-hmm. shoujo and jose stuff than, mm-hmm. um than Japan is whereas I'm really into like my stupid books for boys that I like and was getting defensive about like shut the fuck up rhythm of wars better fucking book than whatever yeah. fucking bullshit you're talking about <laughs> um no that's because that's one of the things that, like, often strikes me as someone who's just into, like, shoujo and jose. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, there's plenty of stuff in the U.S. that has, like, some popularity for girls as well. That's, like, really successful, even if it's, like, also doesn't have a super big cultural, like, recognition and broad mainstream media. Um, but is that just, like... American uh, fandom when it comes to like this kind of Japanese media Mm -hmm. compared to Japanese fandom Mm -hmm. is one manga is more important than anime Mm -hmm. in Japan and it anime is just king here. Yes. And also even though there is still a larger like demographic share of like shonen and also like the seinen. Mm. the like adult male um demographics that just also gets intensified yeah as it comes over and some of that is that they are like one that stuff often is more likely to get an anime because it's a little bit bigger anyway and boys even in japan are more likely to watch anime right and then that like comes over here and it just gets like further intensified i was thinking about this a little bit too because i was like Let's say 
hypothetically, that in Japan, One Piece was as successful as it is, but is a, like, four girls thing. Yeah. I don't think it crosses over. I don't think people talk about One Piece the way that they do. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I... (laughs) This is... We had this conversation a little bit about Berserk, and I got a little defensive because Berserk is, like, my thing, but when I abstracted away to, like, a thing that I have no relationship to, like, no, no, like, I have no thoughts about One Piece other than that is very popular, and I will probably not read it because the guy hangs out with child molesters. <laughs> yeah. Um, the way that people act about One Piece is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, f- I, like, the thing is that Berserk is good like i am enjoying berserk a lot Uh it's also just a a genre thing where uh i think this is part of why i get like defensive in the moments where i'm like i'm kind of right to be a little bit defensive here Mm -hmm. is and this is not like a judgment on individual people who are like yes i like berserk more than nana it's Mm -hmm. like that is your your personal taste Mm -hmm. but especially when people like when people talk about that without the context of you have won the culture war that could p- presumably yes. exist here by spades, not only in Japan, but even yeah. more so in the U.S. Yeah. Everyone in the U.S. is like, yes, Berserk is like one of the true great masterpieces of manga. Uh-huh. Nana is a thing that I've been proselytizing to <laughs> like this network and to friends. Mm. And so far I've, basically gotten m to read it and now you (laughs) most people probably would not even pay at the time of day and like well so one it's like one i think that like nana is like the the thing like the number one thing that I enjoy most about Berserk, there's a lot of stuff that I love about Berserk, but like the baseline where it starts from is I appreciate the way that Mira constructs a page, you know? Yeah. Like, I like the way he draws figures and backgrounds. I like the way he lays out panels and, and all these sorts of things. Um, Yuzawa Ai is equal like as far as that stuff goes like equally like masterful to mira in my opinion like i i think the way that she constructs a page um it's very stylistically different but it's yeah also... it's doing a different thing but like you know like i can appreciate like two different like masters in like different ways yeah. you know the other thing well related is... to that before you do the other yeah, thing, yeah is i also think this is part of why clamp is the biggest like mm-hmm. uh, shojo thing, I would say, in the U.S. Yeah, um, other than maybe Sailor Moon. Yeah, Sailor Moon's the other. Yeah, um, but Sailor Moon really as the anime mm-hmm. in the way that I think Clamp the manga. Yes, there's like manga and then the anime. Yeah, like, like the there's a lot of people who got into the anime and then went to the manga over time. You know. Yes. Um. But. And I think that, like, obviously still doing something different, but I think that, like, what Clamp does is closer to, like, what Miera is doing with Berserk. Right. With the way that they lace things out, whereas, like, uh, Yuzawa Ai stuff is, like, 
there are still moments where you'll get the like intensely like emotion overpouring page um but i think a lot of what she's doing has this like understated quality to it even as you look at the page and you're like this is really wonderfully laid out um mm -hmm. but there's also just like an incredible density to her pages yes um not of like the same like miara will do the density of like oh this is just a giant splash page with like yes lots of line work where i'm like really doing all the details um hers will be this density of like conversations that are happening and different characters and how they're moving through space and how she's reflecting that in the panel like i i really like old ass x-men comics like 80s x-men comics um you you can see how that can go so bad so quick of like someone like with like less and, and you know i think chris claremont's one of the greats but like he has less skill at like this sort of thing of like layering like multiple conversations and layering like tons and tons of words to where those x-men comics you just start <laughs> Like you're reading like a, a novel more than a graphic novel. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's really impressive the way the, the sort of like Yuzawa can like maintain pace and, and, and um like lightness and not getting you bogged down while also having the intense like word density yeah. and image density too. You know? Yeah. Um and also like I think she has just a very keen sense of, like, I'm not just going to have a giant speech bubble that's just all the stuff that this person is saying, Mm -hmm. even if they are still going to essentially monologue. And some of it is, yes, I'm going to break it up into different panels, which one helps with pacing, but also allows her to, like, show you how the person is emoting differently at different moments or gesturing differently or is engaged in, like, other daily activities where like oh they're eating around the table and you're like seeing the progression of the meal as well um and that part's just because i i feel like the the way that this often gets handled is you draw a really like detailed image and you have a bunch of text there Mm -hmm. um and i think she's also just very good at something that i really appreciate uh one of the other like one of my favorite western uh comic artists is Dave Keen. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like read Cages, the faces are so expressive. He's doing this like the Cages refers to like references like jazz music and stuff a lot in it, but also talks a lot about like this very like um, expressive, loose like line work. Let me see if I can find some pages. I'm, just I don't... I'm mixing up in my head Dave Keen and Dave McKean, who I'm like, yeah. you don't like Dave McKean like that, I hope. <laughs> Um. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and this so, is way better than the shit I normally see him do. Okay. Yeah. Like, look at this I, shit. Look at what he's doing with like faces here. So I'm, and I and her style is is different than this, but I feel like she can do a few lines and really convey a bunch of emotion with a face. This is really interesting. I've never seen Dave McKean do interiors. Yes. I have only ever seen his painted covers, which. Because he's, he's known for doing these... The like, Sandman and yeah, all that stuff. For um, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah. And all of his stuff with Neil Gaiman is my least favorite stuff that he's done. His I solo have work never seen better. his interiors. These are incredible. Yeah, Cages is fantastic. I should read this. Um, yeah, it's a, wow. it's a great... 
And yeah, just the way that he draws and his is honestly often more deep. Like these are still more detailed, I think, than like some I, of Yuzawa eyes stuff. I, like, I cannot get a, over how much he is better at interiors than he is at covers. I yeah. hate Dave McKean covers. I hate them. <laughs> With this like <laughs> painting, like highly photoshopped. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Photoshop I collage. I've always style. hated these. It doesn't help that I also just hate Sandman as a book. Like the yeah. the the covers of Sandman I don't like, but then you open Sandman and it's so much worse. <laughs> um It's creepy. Is... Like some of these ones are just like wow. there's an entire chapter where you're just following around a cat and it's all silent. Holy crap. Okay, um, I got to read this. Which is great. Um but Yeah, just like the way that he does faces. Um blows me away whenever i read it um but yeah and again his style he's doing something that's different and it is generally a little bit larger scale and also doing more detail than i think sometimes is how i will do Mm -hmm. um but like she's honestly one of the most like i can do minimal lines to draw this character and just express so fucking much. yes yeah and she can also draw them with lots of detail and like the full fashion and everything yeah but um she has an awareness of like when to pull back and make it a little bit more minimal um, to like actually capture this like expressive quality that you can do when you're not getting bogged down in details. Yeah. I am. Um, um... There's like sometimes a looseness to her style that um, I feel like a lot of other manga lacks. Mm-hmm. And it's also, a, a, it is a looseness that doesn't feel like a carelessness or like a, you know, she's still doing a lot of work on those pages and yet she's able to like maintain this loose quality um, um another mangaka that i really like and i would love to see something other than the covers here uh this is maybe a bad example here we go so Inio asano does a lot of interesting work where he takes this is like a photo of like a yes. real thing and then he draws it and he adds in so much line work like there's just a density to the line here um and i really like this i really like this the way that yuzawa i just like takes a photo throws one layer over it in photoshop real quick and then puts it in the book i fucking eat that shit up it's so good it's incredible i love that um (laughs) I just, um, I just like one two. Some of this stuff is like, like here, yeah, there's yeah, more yeah. line work happening. The so this is really interesting because, um, like, what one of the other things I was gonna say earlier, we got off on a different track, was like the ways in which one of the, one of the interesting things about. The way that Berserk is beloved, you know, globally, um, and, and the ways in which... This like, is the shit I'm talking about. Anyway. Yeah, this is so good. The ways in which, like, Berserk is beloved local globally, but, like, a lot of um, shoujo and jose stuff has trouble crossing over in the U.S. is really weird because... um. Miura has talked a lot about, and he's not influenced by Yuzawa, but he's in- influenced by the same people that Yuzawa is influenced by. He's really influenced by 
Um, I can't remember what's that like. There's like a generation of like women mangaka, like Mojo Hajio and um, uh, the the woman who did Ryoko Ikeda. Um, there's like some like catch-all term that sort of refers to like a lot of like shoujo and jose mangaka who came up in the 70s and i can't recall that term right now but like i've been reading a little bit of um rosa versailles and a little bit of moto hajio stuff and you can see it so clearly in berserk and you can see it so clearly in yazawa as well it's really interesting the ways in which like mira like mira does not did not often in his life speak in public when he did he was constantly effusive about like um his love of shoujo manga um and like specific like oh this book was an influence on me this particular artist this series or whatever and then you'll go and it's like that has never been translated to english officially you know and it's just a fucking travesty (laughs) yeah um, I googled 70s shoujo manga, and it's just funny how you look at, like, this first image that just popped up for me, which probably isn't the same for other people. Yeah. The way that it does it. But, like, that's just that's just Griffith right there. <laughs> that's just Griffith faces yeah. right there. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I'm gonna, I am I'm. I feel like if I Google Ryoko Ikeda, I can find this Wikipedia article, yeah. and it will stop bothering me what this phrase is that I'm not remembering. Um... Anyway, year twenty four group. Yes. Yes. Um. Anyway, yeah, I just it it is um like it's also a thing as I do ghost divers mm-hmm. that I'm kind of always conscious of, which is that like I want this to be an anime podcast that that tries to do more like shoujo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not in this way that like, not that I've listened to every single anime pie that's impossible or even like the big ones, but I mm-hmm. feel like if you kind of look into this stuff, it's like there's anime podcasts that are mostly talking about like whatever the big shonen stuff is or like whatever the big, mm-hmm. um, like here are the big cultural touchstones, mm-hmm. which we've done plenty of on here. Or it's like very specifically like, oh, this is about shoujo. Mm-hmm. And this is a podcast where I want to make sure that I am continue to like fold that in. Yeah. Um, and do it. But as this is just a podcast about old anime where we just watch it and we try and like yeah. look at it deeply. Um, there's, but it's also just a it's a thing where like there's lots of other shoujo stuff that I would probably love to watch on this. But like, I don't even know if we could find it if it would be translated like like i would love to do aim for the ace you know yeah but like that's never officially been translated and like you could you can watch aim for the ace don't worry about it don't worry about it but like that's not like an official thing and there are gonna be people in the audience that are aren't going to you know want to follow you or might not have the access to you know acquiring things <laughs> yeah um uh yeah because like and i feel like the biggest one that's happened so far is that i just 
I mean, I I love Ray Earth a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, not to the degree that I love Nana mm-hmm. at this point, but um, and even at the like, I love Ray Earth the same way that I like Persona and Shin Megami Tensei stuff. It helps that, like, that Nana is way better than Ray Earth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, but I also was like, I want to do Ray Earth early. Yeah, in the run of this. Um, and I specifically wanted to do it like, of course, we have to do Ava. It's a huge touchstone for Connor. It's a huge t- touchstone for the West in general. Um, let's like get that out early. And then I was very intentionally like, and then I'm going to follow it up with Ray Earth mm. in part to be like within Shoujo spaces, they're doing this shit. Yeah. You know, um, and also being like, we're going to go do Utena. And people in the West are like aware of the connections to other shoujo stuff, but most people will be like Sailor Moon. That's yeah. like, he worked on Sailor Moon before. That's or the, or the people, thing. I constantly hear people refer to Utena as, oh, Utena and Madoka as the good magical girl shows. Yes, the, those are the ones that are worth watching, and the rest of these are not worth paying attention to. Yes, and a thing that we talk about when we do Utena is also like especially back in the day even more so than he worked on sailor moon you heard about the connections between evangelion and utena here are the people who worked mm-hmm. on ava who then did utena mm-hmm. uh it's like relation to ava gave it legitimacy yeah uh especially back in the day and now some of it is i think people still talk about utena but i feel like it's just become more of an old heads thing yeah because madoka supplanted it as yes. like the magical girl anime that people watch. Right, yeah. Um I love Monica, but it is kind of a travesty that like Yeah. Oh, it's newer and flashier, so But yeah. Um I'm kind of looking forward to because we, we carved out like here are big ones that we want to do early on. And part because some of them are just touchstones for me when I was watching anime uh-huh. in the beginning. Um and some of them are ones that I like recommended to Connor. Um back in the day and he either watched or is still interested in seeing um but i'm looking forward to when we get to like psycho pass is the start of just the new connor picks one i pick one mm-hmm. we probably try to get a guest on if we don't it just goes back to connor picks one i pick one yeah um and you know berserk there's, berserk, a, there's a berserk, decent berserk, chance ber- that a lot of what i'm gonna be picking is shoujo stuff but I'm I'm hoping I think it'll be around the time when I get on a guest who's picking a shoujo thing that I might be like, okay, Connor, I'm finally going to make you watch the rebuild movies. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at the Berserk schedule. Yeah, now that I have a little more distance from it, and I'm not so precious about how much I really like Berserk '97. Yeah, and now that you've read everything that's covered in Berserk '97, I'm like, we can probably cover one more episode of anime per episode of podcast and like cut that cut the length of that season down to like five you know yeah i am feeling less precious about like we gotta really dig into my baby you know and do like you know one through six seven through twelve whatever you know yeah um we can negotiate that some other time off mic i kind of forgot we were on mic for a minute yeah we are on mic (laughs) You want to stop recording? We've we've made it to three hours. People won't be disappointed when they see the yeah. runtime of this. Yeah. Okay. Genuinely, 
what we just did was kind of the both of us would like to do a comic comics podcast we just don't have the space in our life to do one well and also just like for me like i didn't want to dig into comic stuff on stairwells because like one stairwells gets big and unwieldy without that you know yeah i two i bring my a game to stairwells whereas like i just wanted to like kind of like talk about comics and like be low-key you know yeah and also if we do it on stairwells it's right at the start of the episode probably yeah. whereas this is everyone's listened to us talk about lane um they you know, they still haven't heard what we recorded at the very beginning the way that I normally structure this, and I think I'm going to keep it that way because that'll be funny. <laughs> um, and also, they get Connor back. Yeah, they'll get Connor back. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's part of what I enjoy about this little part. Uh, this, like, after the, the ending theme part of... Uh, ghost divers is that we just like have this space to just kind of throw out whatever we're thinking about and sometimes just goof off about fucking nothing Mm -hmm. um and sometimes have an actual conversation about like oh here's a game i've been playing or something yeah um but also i'm kind of excited for especially once we get out of the big guest season and it's just connor and i sit down and we just do a pondering kushan and then roll right into ghost divers and then probably wrap where like this will disappear Mm mm-hmm this little section but it's just because we'll be doing it and pondering Pluton. and sometimes it'll just be like i don't really have much to talk about so we're just goofing off and other times it'll be like before recording you know just like i'll text connor and be like oh hey i've just been reading this manga and i'm probably gonna talk about that a bunch or whatever you know i but i just want pondering Pluton to be like such a low stakes podcast for us that's part of why like mm-hmm. part of the bit is when we hit record i start a 30 minute timer and we have to when it goes off, I have to start speeding through our sign-off stuff. I, um... I was really nervous about this episode, just because of, like, my own reaction to Lane, and I was, like, nervous, but I was like, I think we're gonna do a really good one. And I gotta say, I think this is, like, the best Ghost Divers that, like, I've done, maybe? Yeah. I don't know, like, there are a lot of episodes of Ghost Divers where, like, my energy will wane by the end, or, like, I feel like I won't have as much to say. Like, I felt like I had a lot to say. I felt like I was, you know, I felt like we all had a lot of interesting things to say, and I feel like... Yeah. I felt like, ah, I have a better understanding of Lane now. I have a better understanding of my own feelings about Lane. I feel really good about this episode. Yeah. And also, you were kind of right when you were did the... the joke tweet on whatever locked one about I think it, that we're gonna we're, or no you did it in our group chat yeah i did a I did a joke in our group chat uh, we're gonna be the first podcast in human history to call lane mid and we kind of did <laughs> <laughs> but really My- but really like i came into it being like i do absolutely love this this series um i do think it is great it's not my favorite anime mm-hmm like, this is not the hill I'm going to die on. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm aware of, like, the degree to which, like, nostalgia... Like, that this had a very significant place in um, anime history. Uh-huh. In the same way that, like... I'm the person who will kind of sometimes be like, 
Chrono Trigger was kind of mid. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy I, talk, but okay. But I think like part of why I think Chrono Trigger is kind of mid is one stuff came after it, like Chrono Cross that I think is doing more interesting things. Two, every really fucking shitty, like, uh, 2D, like, indie or whatever yeah. JRPG right yeah. now is doing fucking Chrono Trigger because it became... Except the ones that are doing Earthbound. But yes. those, the ones that are doing Earthbound are often bad, <laughs> which is unfortunate because one... Earthbound is great. Yeah. The ones that are doing uh, Earthbound, I think, are often come off worse to me because they are so up their ass about it yeah <laughs> whereas the ones that are doing like chrono trigger are just like man remember when jrpgs used to be good yeah which is, is its own kind of up its own ass but I, still like like i i, I recently <clears throat> replayed chrono trigger i played it when, when i was like 15 i replayed it again two years ago i want to say I think Chrono Trigger is, like, as good as people say it is, but I'm, like, relaxed about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Chrono Trigger is one of my favorite games. Yeah. That's where the sentence ends. But it's also the thing where it's just, like... Shut this, the fuck up. This informed... Yeah. ...what JRPGs were. Yeah. Um, and, like, anything that it was interesting in it has, like... Been done and redone. Has been, like, done to death other things in my mind as someone who's played a lot of jrpgs have done it better yeah and i go back and i play it now and like i can like the combat and stuff like works and is fun but also feels stale to me oh it's so simplistic yes um and not so it's not dragon quest where it's so simplistic that the simplicity becomes the joy and I don't mean Dragon Quest the series. I mean Dragon Quest the video game Dragon yes. Quest. You know? Yeah. Um, no, and so it's this thing of, like, I, I play it, and I'm like, yeah, this is a well-made, great game. Uh-huh. And it's also just, like, it's, its place in the canon has, like, killed it as a work for me. As I... a thing that I can actually truly, like... Because I just play it, and I'm like, yeah, that was a good game. Like... I'm in, I'm in a position, I think, where I'm better equipped to um, appreciate Chrono Trigger than you are, because I have played JRPGs, but I haven't played that many JRPGs to where I can appreciate, ah, yes, this is just a really fun one of these, and that's just where my thoughts end about it. I'm like, ah, yes, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> um... The other thing is that my favorite game is Chrono Cross. And Chrono so, Cross yeah. is, is an entire game about the people who made Chrono Trigger being like, stop being what we should make is Chrono Trigger. And the fact that Chrono Cross lost that fight and that yeah. what people just keep wanting to do is make more Chrono Trigger. Uh-huh. Um, and all of Chrono Cross being like the desire to just like repeat this like static thing that you remember <laughs> from your past that you like idealize is in fact like actually a destructive force that exists within the world and that like making our entire role as developers being to give you the same experience again that you had when you played chrono trigger is in fact like putting us into this faded position that the all these games about breaking the chains of fate that bind you what we should do is break the fucking chains of fate if we're supposed to make chrono trigger um and then you know it just people were like chrono cross sucks you know how 
there's Bravely Default, and then there's Bravely Second, and then they made Bravely Default 2. Yeah. It's really funny that, like, Square Enix is just an incompetent company, because, like, in some ways, Chrono Cross, like, like, annihilates the, the possibility of making a third Chrono Chrono game after that, as evidenced by the fact that they've never fucking done it. They've never yeah. gone back to that franchise. They remade it for the DS one time, and they've never talked about Chrono Trigger again. Yeah. <laughs> that, that somehow, like, despite kind of flopping, Chrono Trigger, like, or Chrono Cross, like, fought this fight to a stalemate, and now there no one gets any Chrono anything. <laughs> um, but, like, Square Enix could so easily tomorrow announce Chrono Trigger 2, and it's kind of insane that they've never done that. <laughs> it's kind of really funny that no one's ever thought we could just make a second Chrono Trigger game and not worry about Chrono Cross. <laughs> um... Yeah, there's a thing with uh where M talks about the um what's the fate phone game? Fate Gosh, Grand that's Order. A cat turn, but yeah, Fate Grand Order. And that like the more fate that they've played, the the more that the like idea and existence of Fate Grand Order feels like this like uh deeply cynical and sad conclusion for the series that is like that at all moments like trying to resist that kind of conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what I feel like when people say that they want Chrono Trigger 2, is I'm yeah. like, you didn't pay attention to what Chrono Cross was about. <laughs> is that they made it and everyone said it was the best JRPG ever and that they should make a sequel. And the, the man was like, I want to make new games. Yeah. I'm, I'm a person who wants to, like, have new experiences. I don't want to be Sakurai. Yeah, the in- condemned to my <laughs> Smash Bros. prison for all eternity. The like, the like core struggle of of Chrono Cross is like you basically being told that all of your existence is to make Chrono Trigger happen, mm-hmm. and how much that fucking sucks. <laughs> um. Also, no- nobody's ever done a combat system like Chrono Cross again. I some people may say for good reason, but I there's when I really interesting it, stuff in there. When I poked at it, I was like, I see how this is could be compelling, but I was I was grading against like the complexity of like like Final Fantasy VIII is a game that permits a lot of complexity, but also when you just walk into fights with random guys like you could just mash A and not worry about it. And I know that Chrono Cross tries to circumvent that a little bit by not having random encounters in that way. Yeah. Um but I did grade a little bit against like there are some fights where I want to be paying attention and engaging with systems and there are some fights where I want to mash A. And I felt like Chrono Cross at least and I only played like 3 4 hours of it. So like maybe this is like you know, maybe this does not remain true or maybe, you know, any any number of things but like i felt like there was not there was only the capacity for thinking about the interaction in like a complex way and there was not the space for click 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 dead yeah i think thematically some of what chrono cross is doing is saying uh com it is because there's lots of video games about how like 
oh, you love doing violence, don't you? And they mm-hmm. make like a, a fun loop. And it, the solution is just like pure anti-violence. And Chrono Cross is structured in a way where violence is necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think it is a game that is aware of the necessity of violence at times to like um, like progress things and enact, enact change and everything. Um, it is also a game that wants you to think about the compulsion that you have to do violence in video games. Uh, and so I think it very intentionally wants you to think about all encounters as their own little encounter mm. where it's very intentional about setting you back up where you, you don't have an MP pool that you're worrying about in the same way, um, like between fights. Um, most fights you can end by healing up your party immediately as part of the like UI mm. thing. If you have like any points left, you can just use your magic to heal, um, stuff like that. Specifically because I think it wants you to go into each encounter as a thing where it is not the long game in the way that something like Etrian Odyssey is. Mm-hmm. It is about, or like even mm-hmm. Final Fantasy games, it is about each one is like its own little struggle. Yeah. Um, And then also making it possible for you to escape battles and is inviting you to constantly think about the fight that you're doing and why you're doing the fight. Mm-hmm. And... um. It, it like has the star system where you don't really level up until you beat a boss and you'll get like minimal gains at first mm-hmm. and then you'll just stop getting gains if you're trying to like grind like you can't grind in it. yeah and so it also wants you to like reach a point where you realize like i'm just like not getting hp or anything mm-hmm. from fighting this i just got like a shell and i already have 25 of them and i can just walk around the guy why am i just walking around the guy and it wants you to come to that conclusion mm-hmm. that, like, you should just walk around the guy sometimes. Yeah. You can actually play and beat the game walking around basically all of the guys that you can. Except for bosses, <clears throat> which you just can't. You have to progress. Yeah. And then the whole end of the game is, like, all of this progression is the thing that has been set up just to make Chrono Trigger happen. Mm-hmm. Um, And all of this has been, like, faded. There's been things that we set up and that we marketed as you making a bunch of choices in the game. This is a game with diverging storylines and that like whatever. And as it plays, you're like, this actually isn't diverting that much. Everything just comes back together in the end. Like, yeah, there's small changes, but it doesn't, it does like change who I can recruit, but it doesn't really change anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the ending plot is the same. And then it's like, Oh no, because it all is this constructed thing where you have to still accomplish this one thing. So what was the point of any of the choices you made? Maybe it is the fact that you got Glenn in your party or whatever. Yeah. And now that's a guy that you care about mm-hmm. because you recruited him. It's full of a bunch of NPCs who people criticize because they're not that important to the story. And I think it's just because it wants you to be like, I don't care that that character doesn't matter. I played with him a bunch in the story. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they were saying lines and they became a part of my story. Mm. Uh, and so for me, Draki is a you know or whatever i'm the one who like pip i just fucking love that guy mm-hmm. um it's not important to the story and if you slub in a different character they'll say the same lines yeah but with a different speech quirk with the difference that was not original that was created specifically for the localization i really wish you could get rid of that yeah <laughs> um yeah and i think or all... tone it down yeah you know. but, and I think all of that is meant to invite you to think about, like, 
going through this process and having like your experience of it and that still being important because it's your experience even if it doesn't mean anything truly mechanically for the game um yeah i just think it's one of the best games i want to go to sleep yeah now we've talked too long now we've talked too long Though I did find all that interesting. This is all stuff that you've kind of told me before about Chrono Cross, but it's interesting to sort of see, like, lay it all out in, like, one coherent, like, statement. Rather than, like, you just text me one random thought about Chrono Cross here (laughs) and there. Yeah, usually in response to, like, I was listening to this, like, abnormal mapping or something, and Ab should just fucking play Chrono Cross already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you, cause I, a lot of people don't listen to all of, mm. uh, Ghost Divers, mm. but do you think maybe we'll get, like, Emma along for this journey? Oh, maybe. He's lame and... Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I was so hesitant about saying the Fate Stay Night thing. Um, still am, but by September 16th, we'll know. Yeah. Either... Either I'll be in or I won't be, you know? And it's fine. You know what I just realized? I'm going to hit stop after I say this, but I just think it's a funny thing to get on the recording. Uh-huh. We've been wearing headphones this entire time. Connor's gone. We don't need to be wearing headphones. I. We're still in the Discord <laughs> channel <laughs> by ourselves. Okay, I'm just going to. Broadcasting um, to no one. It's just so funny when I realize we're just wearing headphones. Anyway, bye. Bye. Listen to us joking around with Connor at the beginning. Present day. <laughs> Present time. <laughs> I hit record. <laughs> Someone is doing cauliflower foam at a prefix in Chicago right now. Yeah, no like, literally right now. There's probably let me. So I googled cauliflower foam. So one, there's just like some recipes here. Cauliflower puree, ca- scallops with cauliflower puree, anchovy foam. Anchovy foam? Oh, God. That's... Cauliflower That's one of those things that, like... It probably is, is, like, not bad at all. But just imagining it is so repulsive. (laughs) Um, I like this recipe. There's only one review... Like, one person has rated and reviewed this cauliflower foam recipe on Cookie Share, but it is a one star. Ouch. Uh... Can service Donnie has cauliflower foam. Um, this one has six ratings, two point three. Oh, I'm looking at that one right now. That one looks very yeah. gelatinous. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, all of these are very poorly refu- reviewed. Um, so maybe it's not such a good concept. Yeah, I mean, with, with scallops, it it sounds. I see, good. I see the I, vision with scallops. So this one's funny. It is like eat out is the. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought about the name uh, a little bit. Too <laughs> what, much. what about the name? Um, I don't get it. N- n- never mind. Um, <laughs> what's what's .co dot za? Um, is it Zaire or Zambia? What dot za Zaire Zambia. Um, anyway, this is five comforting cauliflower recipes to try. Uh, and then, like, every single picture is just, like, 
I am not making this as comfort food. Maybe this one. Pickles. Look, that, I don't know if it would be comf- that comfortable to eat pickles, but like. Man, there are days where pickles have, are comfort food. Do you not like raw yeah, cauliflower? Yeah, Sarah, Sarah eats pickles. Uh-uh. Okay. I have come to appreciate the flavor of broccoli, yeah. but the texture of broccoli is still like a challenge for me. It, what Whereas, part? Like, is it the like the head of it or like the stem? I assume the, the head. It's it's more the head, which is why broccoli is a little more appealing because it like breaks up more than cauliflower does. Yeah, you know, cauliflower stays more clumpy. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, because they're but, they're but basically this... related, and the thing with cauliflower is that it does not flower. It's like a, a mm. um, whatever. It, it's a a like thing that's basically cannot produce offspring the other thing whereas cauliflower or broccoli can but i don't think cauliflower can and it's specifically because what you're getting is like what would normally be the flowers which are the little tiny things on the broccoli all right i'm trying it's like turned into this i'm dropping something in the discord i found this what are we looking at here okay apparently this is from frixka gastropub in budapest and it is a uh, beef tongue, gizzards, caviar, okay. caper berries, and cauliflower foam. And it also looks like a little bit of Romanesco broccoli. I feel like too much is happening on this plate. I, I feel like you take out one of those ingredients. I appreciate that I they just went like... One. That is like a cut of tongue that they've cut to look yes. like tongue. Yes. The real... I, I have eaten cow tongue before. It does not look that much yeah. like a tongue. Not, I no, love not at all. um yeah um anyway i just think it's a lot of uh, this are there a lot of like beef tongue recipes on on eating out.co.za have you been checking it can you can you just uh does this have a search bar on eatout.com i get there's what are you looking for and then just your location just just type in tongue in chicago yeah this might be zambia yeah can you can you search tongue on eat out for me yeah. Tongue um, in my area. Black tongue bar. Allow, bite your allow tongue. location. So what's what's weird here because it is titled like eat out and it like this the searching for like choose your location seems to be a, like looking for restaurants. Yeah, it seems like a like Yelp type thing when you go to the search bar. But what we found is five recipes that they're recommending if you want some comfort food. And so the first one is cauliflower and Parmesan soup. I'll send these to you, Connor, because I don't know if you have this up. I think this um, is more just like, yeah, this is Zambia. And yeah, I don't think it's going to tell us what's in what's in Cincinnati or Chicago. So the the cauliflower and Parmesan soup. If you if you look at it, I oh, just sent I'm the looking at it. The, the chat. That little um, olive oil drizzle s- there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see how this is actually probably just like a fairly simple thing, and they're just trying to make it look fancy on the on the plate here for yeah. like a, a photo because it's basically yeah. just some croutons and like maybe some cheese, I think. Yeah, um, and a little bit of drizzled, drizzled olive oil. Hey, listeners, pro tip: if you're making some chicken noodle soup. Just when you put it on the plate, not before, like, don't cook it with this. Just put, like, a little tiny bit of, like, raw olive oil right when you serve it in your chicken noodle soup. Very good. Um, this next one, char-grilled cur- uh, curried cauliflower. 
Um, I'm going to send this one to you, Connor. Okay. This one does not um, sound really appealing, to be honest. The the picture, very unappealing. Yeah, like, char-grilled curried cauliflower. Like, come on. That's not... That's someone who wants to sound like they tried, but didn't really try. Yeah. Um, what are you doing there? Well, You're just like, oh yeah, I'm throwing some curry, you know, my curry mix on it, and I'm grilling it. Like, that's... Yeah. That's like... That's like vegan, like, dad backyard cooking. <laughs> um, then cauliflower pickle, um, which I do like pickled cauliflower as someone who yeah. enjoys cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to Pickled cauliflower image. is the most appealing, like, proposition we've had so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wonder what everyone else in the Discord is thinking when we just, like, yeah. The series of photos that we've just like that we have posted <laughs> over the last like two months is so Here's bizarre. my problem with like going out and buying pickles, which is like the sort of problem that you have whenever that then leads you down the dark path of I'm going to make my own pickles. Uh, um, it is, yeah. I, I, yeah. I thank you for recognizing that that is a dark path. Well, you were getting real, real yeah. Bobby. Which um, is probably on us. Probably our fault. Yeah, I'm green. There you go. Oh, you're not. You're not a robot anymore. Okay. Anyway, the problem with pickles is that I go to the store. One sweet pickles are no good. Get that shit out of here. Yeah. What I want is a spicy pickle, and there are only two types of spicy pickles that you buy at the store, and it's one is like. This is so spicy that no human can eat it. You just wanted to put a skull on the label so that, like, yeah, it's just one of those with hot sauce all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or there's like two red pepper flakes in this entire jar of pickles. Just make a reasonably spicy pickle. Make a pickle that is spicy, but not stupid spicy. I don't understand why this is so hard. Now, you do live in Chicago now. Have you had jardinera here? You know what? I the last time I was out buying pickles was in St. Louis. I haven't been in a pickle mood, partially because I was having so much trouble the last couple times I went buying pickles. Maybe I need to, yeah, you know, because I feel like sometimes Jardinera you still end up getting like you have to like find the brand mm-hmm. that you want. Mm-hmm. I I usually will just get it when I'm like getting pizza or something because they always have them. Okay. Um, but there's definitely some that will be like too spicy, but I feel like usually it's good. Okay. Um, what I because really we want... here in Chicago, jardinera is the official term for it, but we love our hot, which is just <laughs> like if you get like an Italian beef, you just order hot, and that just means put jardinera. Now here's the problem with jardinera. Mm. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, often has cauliflower. In it. Yes, this is um my my dad would always keep a jar of this around. Yeah, so. but my da- my dad my dad had a jar of sweet pickles he had a jar of salty pickles he had a jar of dill pickles he had a bar a jar of jardinera he had a jar of um like pickled beets my dad will he he always kept kimchi around my dad will eat fucking anything pickled which is why for years i thought i didn't like pickles (laughs) yeah that that must have that was like that must have been a traumatic like fridge experience there (laughs) seeing that every time you open your fridge I basically, all growing up, never got to use the fridge doors because it was just filled with pickles. Have you oh ever my God. tried my rhubarb acker? 
No. I know Connor has. Oh, yeah. I, still, I yeah. have some. You could have some sure. tonight. Dude, you I'll don't need to up. do it on the pod unless you want to. But I'll fuck up some rhubarb. Uh, it is like a spicy pickle. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. It's not like, um, it's not like the rhubarb you I'm, know. Are you at all familiar with like what Akar is? It's like a, mm. a South Asian style pickle? Maybe. Um, it's basically it the, like, like a term the that orange you told me about like, before. pickle relish that you get with like Indian a lot of the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like so mostly yeah, it's like spices and, and oils yes. that it's in rather than like it sitting in a bunch of brine. Um, yeah. I mean, I could go yeah. get you some right now if you want. And, and so, some Akar will just no, freaking I will, like. I will finish this list. Yeah, finish the list. I don't. I don't want to have it on the pod right now. Okay. I was just off. Maybe if maybe if we like take a recess later, I will. Yeah. Try yeah, it on yeah, the pod. You, you should. You should. I, I want to get your reaction. Okay. Okay. I will. I will try it later then. Um. I will say. Anyway, some, some Akar the... will, will rip your freaking face off. <laughs> <laughs> like. I've had some where I've just been like, oh, okay, yeah. like, whatever I had before was not, like, what this is. And this is, like, I need to learn. I need to completely readjust <laughs> my, like, I, my entire taste was, bud framework. Was one of these, I think, when you had, for the first time, my rhubarb acar. Which I brought yeah. into the office once. Yeah, and yours... you ate it, and you were like, "I did not know you could put that much flavor into like a spoonful of something." Yeah, yours was one. <laughs> this happens and then to me. There is like a takeout place here where I got it, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is <laughs> so sour and bitter, like in a way that I was not at all expecting." Um, there is a really good. Um, Chinese place like just around the corner from me it's like it's like a, a more like upscale place it's not like a chop suey it's like you know <clears throat> you're going there and you're spending like 50 bucks to get like dinner for two you know okay. but I go there an unreasonable amount because I really like it um and like once every couple of months I usually get everything there medium spicy which is pretty spicy but once every couple months, I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm going to try the extra spicy. And I have that experience of like, fuck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good. I, I get this for a reason, but I cannot handle it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I'm going to finish out this list of yeah. five yeah. comfort foods to make with cauliflower. Okay. I'm going to look for, uh, so while done... you're doing that, I'm going to look for some other... I just want to find some some other photos to post in this Discord that will really like <laughs> confuse so, people really badly. Um, this fourth one does not have an image, so I won't be able to send one to you. I don't know what this looks like, and it's honestly the one that I most am curious about what it's supposed to look like. Because again, here's the here's just the comfort recipe to make when you're feeling a little depressed, you know? Uh, truffled cauliflower puree with white chocolate. <laughs> Okay, isn't, isn't, um, gosh, I'm trying to, that, like, molecular gastronomy, uh, yeah. thing, isn't white chocolate and cauliflower, like, uh, a, like, one of the prominent, like, pairings in that discipline? Maybe. I think that's why, th that it's happening there. Yeah. What, um, what is it again? The final one. What's the whole? So, 
uh, truffled cauliflower puree with white chocolate. I'm reading the recipe okay. now. I'm like reading the steps on this. Yeah. It's take a- uh, take two heads of cauliflower, remove the florets from the stem, and finely chop. Sweat the onion and garlic together with uh, the thyme in a medium-sized pot. Once the onion is soft, add 50 grams of butter and the cauliflower. Season Were you just salt. sweating it in, like, nothing before? Did you not have any, like, olive oil or anything? Whatever. I guess. Uh, anyway, season with salt and add the vegetable stock. Cover with a lid and let the cauliflower cook quickly over high heat. Once the cauliflower has softened, remove the lid and add the cream. Let the cream reduce by half before adding everything to the food processor uh, to blend until smooth. Once smooth or removed from the blender, pass through a fine sieve and divide between two bowls. Add the Parmesan and truffle oil to one bowl and emulsify while still hot. Add the white chocolate to the other bowl and emulsify. Serve warm. There, is, there are so many points where this could fail. Yes. You know? Espe- like, you could not emulsify the white chocolate properly. You could not emulsify the Parmesan truffle oil and, like, cauliflower puree properly. You you could burn the shit out of the milk while trying to reduce it by half. Yeah. There are so many, like, points of failure in this comfort food recipe that is baffling. Yeah, because for me, a comfort food recipe is primarily one that, like, is not that hard to do. Yeah. And it is going to be, like, hearty and filling. Yeah. Um, and, like, I I understand, like, some of this is, is just scale. I cook a lot. And mm-hmm. so, like, for me, gyudon is a comfort recipe because it's, like, there's not a lot of failure points in right. that. I can make it pretty easily. I get, like, beef that's already cut thin. So right. I just have to, like, cut it into, like, little pieces and put it in there. Um and it's just like beef and onions on rice like just fuck me up right you know um it's also like i do enough japanese cooking that like i have the soy sauce the mirin everything just in stock yeah uh in my pantry so um like that's why it just works as a comfort food and i know that for some people they're like oh that's like you're doing an advanced recipe mm. you know i mean i'll also do um like onsen tamago, which seems difficult, but it really is just like you just put it in, you boil water, you add a certain amount of cold water to it, mm-hmm. and then you just put the eggs in there for seventeen minutes. Like, yeah. you know, it's a lot of stuff that like you have to know the recipe, but you're not Once really you gonna fuck recipe. up those eggs. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. And then the last recipe on our list is, of course, cauliflower foam. And I'm going to send you the picture here. And when we go over to send this picture, you'll see the other two images <laughs> that you've pulled. Which um, is Lickitung licking Pikachu and, I believe, John Wayne in The Searchers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, yes. You're, good, you're yeah. correct so far. Oh. Oh, we've also got... <laughs> So I, I assume this is some painting that one might recognize, but in the foreground, we have a, a figure in blue robes um, raising their arms and looking toward the sky, um, perhaps as if in prayer. In the background, well, in the midground, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
seven people and two little baby angels wrapping themselves in cloth. They're all naked and uh, doing various poses. And then the background is sort of a, like, impressionistic suggestion of, like, clouds. Uh, yeah, yeah, dark, yeah. S- dark stormy skies. Not a, not a sort of realistic depiction. Um, yeah. We're, we're, so right now we're looking at uh, the vision of St. John by uh, the Mannerist master El Greco. Uh, oh, okay. I early, knew I'd seen this before. Yeah, from the early 17th century. Um, I um so I took a class once on the history look. of Spanish art. So yeah, um, this was anyway. that was the best I could do in the in the time allotted. You um, did great. Yeah. Um. So I thought you know, especially when with the the cauliflower foam like between John Wayne and El Greco. I think yeah. this is a really this is a really nice uh, uh, arrangement we have here. Do you think this is the painting that um, Nico Case is singing about? Um, which one? Uh, John saw that number. Maybe he he does appear to be crying holy holy to the Lord in the painting. Yeah. <laughs> um. I just want to find, like, the weirdest picture of cauliflower that I can. Like, just Googling cauliflower stuff. Can I find something just bizarre? Oh, I'm just going to get this one. Um, Just to send this, just to complete the experience. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get that from eatout.com? No, this is from from, uh, Panther Media and uh, the the Google thing. It's just a close-up of a purple cauliflower stock image, which this is not just a close-up of a purple cauliflower. It doesn't explain one important element of this image. Yeah, they've melted some sort of cheese over the top of it. And it's like, just like, he's sitting in a square plate. If you accept all cookies, we can read the full title here. Cauliflower purple... Uh, cheese, molten, melted, abstract, background, food, stock image, bourneur. <laughs> okay, that's, oh, a, there's that's a full explanation. Oh, look, there's, there's some follow-up where they've added some bacon on here. Yeah. Um, let me, let me get, like, this one, maybe? Yeah. What's wild about these stock photo images is that there's nothing on there saying, like, stock image. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there is like no watermark on this. Yeah, <laughs> I love the close up. <laughs> yeah, I'm stealing your images, Michael. <laughs> um, wow, it's it's weird that uh, well, yeah, I literally typed in weird cauliflower, and it's been very uh, very disappointing. Um, returns here. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, get get in real close. Right on that. Um, Are you sure that's bacon? Uh, cauliflower, purple cheese, ham, bacon, okay. cube cut, molten, royalty free photo. Should we oh, talk about how did they get photo. how did they get anyway. the bacon molten? I don't know. Cube cut. Uh, molten yeah. Bacon? Anyway, we should probably start talking about Lane soon. We've thoroughly confused everyone else in this server. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, now this is like a thing we have to do consciously. We have to just escalate 
the like images. The, the, I mean, like, I'm just going to scroll back because I don't think you were here for, for this uh, image, Autumn. I just need you to see this one. Okay, so we've got... Biblically accurate Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got center frame, normal photo of Bill Gates. <laughs> yes. Now, right below that is uh, Bill this Gates' This is specifically nose. the Xbox ad, Xbox ad where he was, like, holding up a controller and then, like, food or something. Yeah. Now, right below his face, we have a nose. His it, nose. Where the, yes, his nose. Then we also have two mouths. We have two dimples. We have the two mouths ears. are covering the food in the controller. Yeah, like, so as if he is holding his the his various mouth. the various parts of his face have been rearranged throughout <laughs> the image. Honestly, the rearrangement could be more inspired. I think yeah. the rearrangement is too symmetrical. I think. Um, it it just lacks a certain something. I don't know. I, I like it. The way it like closes you in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Paps Blue Ribbon uh, coffee. coffie. <clears throat> Here's that. Bro. And then there's something that God, we God, I would discuss. fuck that up right now. <laughs> I would fuck that up right now. You know the thing about well, the, bowls, the, right? the PBR coffee? What? There's no evidence. Yeah, there's no evidence. <laughs> yeah. And then there's an image we won't talk about. And then we get to the um, the image right after the PBR. <clears throat> um, this is just from Bacchano. And then, <laughs> well, yeah. And then we have the Bacchano, the thing we talked about, our Bacchano question bucket. Yeah. So. Uh, Juliet sent in. Anyway, we will start this podcast now.